Oh, kia ora koutou whanau. Welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation, brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. Big thank you to Vaporium. The Vaporium have come on board to sponsor the show, and they have developed this product called the Stratus. It's a vape pen uh, that comes with pods that has nicotine, specifically designed to help people stop smoking. So what you've heard about um, about vaping and all that, forget that for this. This is designed to help people stop smoking. That's why there's nicotine in it. It's the most affordable alternative to smoking. For basically a starter kit, which will give you a vape pen and three pods, costs you 25 bucks, which is the price of a packet of cigarettes. I'm, I understand. Um, and those pods um, will last most people several days. So for a for the price of a packet of cigarettes, you get a pen, you get three pods, they may last you two or three weeks, and then after that, you pay less than 20 bucks to refill your pods and you get four at a time. So if you're someone who uses a pod a week, for 20 bucks after you've got your initial $25 investment, you've basically changed to an alternative to smoking, a more affordable one, and it's costing you per month what it used to cost you per packet of cigarettes. Obviously, if you smoke or vape a lot more, you'll go them through quickly, but the, 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 in general, they last several days. You know what I'm saying. So thank you again to Vaporium. And uh, if you are a smoker or you know someone who smokes and you want to uh, give them a chance to get off those uh, horrible things, then uh, tell them to check out Stratus. The easy way to find it as well is just go to vaporium.nz www.vaporium.nz Okay, uh, if you know me at all, if you've heard me at all, in fact, I've done a podcast before on the flat earth. You know, people with unique takes on the world are things that really fascinate me. Uh, the person who I'm calling the flat earth daddy is a guy called Mark Sargent. If you've ever seen anything about the flat earth in mainstream media, you've probably seen his face. Uh, there may be some people out there who have bigger followings. There may be some people out there uh, who, who push this uh, harder, but he is unquestionably the highest profile flat earther in the world. His name is Mark Sargent. Enjoy. Hello, welcome, Mark Sargent. How are you, sir? I am well. Thank you very much for having me. Look, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, as I've just explained to you before we started, I'm deep in this hole, this rabbit hole of flat earth. Uh, I love it. Uh, you are... Uh, I think possibly the world's, for, I was say foremost, certainly in the mainstream media, the most well-known flat earther. Gotten the earther. most exposure, yeah, probably. The most exposure. I mean, there's yeah. guys like ODD TV who seem to be the biggest, have the biggest online following, but you sure. seem to be the person who has, uh, you know, the most exposure, the one who goes on the television shows, the one who, right. do you call yourself, what's the word, a recruiter? Yeah, flat earth recruiter. Which is interesting. So, so my position is you're the second flat earther I've had on this podcast, mm -hmm. and I'm utterly fascinated by the concept. My background in uh, media is uh, interesting and meaningful conversations. Um, now, a lot of people might go, "Well, flat Earth's not a meaningful conversation," but it's certainly interesting. Yeah, um, I think it's one of those quote-unquote conspiracy theories that from my perspective, kind of doesn't matter whether it's true or false. It's interesting. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't change the, the world's economies. It doesn't change the health system. Now, there are some conspiracies, uh, conspiracies which, you know, I think are sort of could, could be dangerous. We're looking at a lot of those at the moment with the coronavirus issue going on. But this is one of the ones, you know, do you believe they landed on the moon or not? Does that really matter? Not really. This feels like sort of one of those, but it's still interesting. Yeah. And what I, what I want to talk to you for 
<laughs> as you seem to be one of the more reasonable uh, people who believe in flat earth. Is a flat earther considered a, like, is that a, is that a, a can you be called a flat earther? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's You're not right. a dig. Not at all. I mean, what, what else would you call us? I mean, yeah. the, there are at least half a dozen other terms which are way more <laughs> offensive or biting than, uh, than flat earther. Yeah, well, I guess sometimes that idea, people use that as a derogatory term when they're talking about someone's intelligence. Oh, you flirted. So that's good. Okay, so I can use that term. That's fine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, I like, I mean, I'll mention names to you that you'll know that other people won't know. Like I, I often, often, once a month, have a listen to Nathan Oakley's kind of conversation he has, and it's all screaming and shouting and swearing. Yeah, let's say Nathan doesn't have conversations. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> he yells at people. But so I'm, I, I find obviously you're, you're very likable. You're very, you're very engaging. You're very polite, which is nice. Um, I think that has two prongs. The first prong is I wonder sometimes if the concept of flat earth gets lost amongst lovely conversations you have. So not delving too deeply into it, it becomes, you're really nice and interesting. Let's talk about you. Um, but the other thing I notice is quite often with flat earth conversations, not necessarily you, is yeah. that often it's talking about, uh, the flat earth must be real because this can't happen on a globe or uh, this can't happen there. So rather than going why there is a flat earth, right. what it seems a lot of the time is why there isn't a globe. And what I want to do today mm -hmm. is for want of a better description, I want to try and prove the flat earth. Okay. Now I am not a flat earth believer. <laughs> I'm a globe believer. I believe in the, I believe in NASA. I believe in space, all these things yeah. that, probably 99.99% of people are rolling their eyes right now going, yeah, of course. Um, so, but I have done quite a lot of prep for this conversation. I don't normally prep very much at all. I oh, normally wow. just have conversations, but I've got a couple of pages of thoughts here. Okay. What these are, are the questions I personally would need answered if I was going to then switch to the flat earth. Does that make sure. sense? But what I thought I'd do is I don't really actually want to get into a massive long conversation about um, who you are and where you have come from, not because that's not valid, but because that's all over the internet. Look, oh, yeah, it's, it's not hard to find. But what I thought we could do is for people who this is a new concept to, maybe mm -hmm. you can just give us like a truncated, a two-minute, a three-minute version of who you are, how you got to this position, and yep. how you want to the flat earth. Like I said... This could be an hour conversation by itself, and it is online. So if people want to find out more about this, they can go and look you up, and they can get the full story. But if you could just, for the sake of, um, you know, for the sake of making this a complete conversation, give us that yeah. kind of truncated who Mark Sargent is um, and how you got to being what I'm calling the flat Earth Daddy, so to speak. Got it. All right. Uh, started my career by winning a video game tournament up in Seattle, Washington, which got me to Colorado, where I uh, ended up being a ringer for a video game company for uh, several years, and then uh, parlayed that into proprietary software training. So for two decades, I traveled around the country and some places outside the country and taught people uh, very complex software, very dry time and attendance software mostly, and boiled it down into easy to digest pieces. Because I was, you know, doing installing this stuff into blue collar factories and did that for years and years. And during that time, you know, as the internet was finally ramping up and high speed internet, I'm old kids. <laughs> I was there when it all, you know, it all started. 
that's, you know, I got into conspiracies. You know, if you get into YouTube, you know, which is now the biggest television network in the world, whether it likes to call itself that or not, I got into a lot of different conspiracies. I started late in the conspiracy world. I didn't even believe that, that, that people lied on a large scale nice. until I watched JFK in the theater back at, literally back in what, 1991. Yep. Remember that? And, and then, but then even then the internet wasn't even going to be online for a few more years after that. And so when YouTube came along, uh, I started getting into more, more and more conspiracies going down different rabbit holes. And finally, I, I thought I pretty much reached the end reached the end of the conspiracy rabbit holes, which is like, okay, well, I have an opinion on just about every conspiracy you could think of. And there was one that you it was always in the corner of my eye, and I never paid attention to it because it was horrible, it was awful, no one wants to touch it, which is, of course, Flat Earth. And I thought, okay, well, it's on my bucket list, I'm not getting any younger, so uh, let's, let's dive into this over a weekend. And over that course, that weekend turned into nine months. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the end of nine months, I basically gave up and I said, okay, I'm just going to make a series of videos called Flat Earth Clues, put it out to the internet hive mind and say, this is why I can't prove the globe in a court of law anymore. Tell me where I'm wrong. Right. And instead of the, the internet just backhanding me, you know, pimp handing me, they, they came at me um, in a different way. And they said, wow, this is really interesting. You should tell me more. It's like, okay, uh, how about this? And how about this? And then people started chiming in and you know, um, building up on, on other people's work. And uh, that started in 2015. And here we are, 2020, uh, you know, two books, a documentary, I don't know how many interviews and all sorts of stuff later. It just, you know, it is my life uh, at this point. So with the exception of what's happening in 2020, which is a whole another thing. Uh, and so, you know that that's that's your path, and now you're at you're at the pinnacle in yeah. some dude's bedroom in the bottom of the world, uh, trying to convince exactly yeah. exactly pinnacle. yeah. I, who who knew that I'd be talking to somebody? Um, what do you what do you call the Southern Island in? Um, it's it's I know it's pretty unique, but it's called the South Island, the North South Island. Island. Yeah, I'm talking to someone in the South Island in New Zealand, and I've gotten like last year, I did I did conferences in seven countries i did a commercial in melbourne uh i i did british television i did american television i did all i did all this fun stuff i mean i, I got to to headline a conference in um stockholm it's like it wasn't even a flat earth conference and i opened and wow. it's like what and it was just you know uh, an american journalist interviewing an american nutcase which was me on stage for an hour that was that was how the conference opened and the audience is just sitting there with their mouths open and i'm going you did this <laughs> so anyway so yeah that's that's kind of how i got here and the the short version of what i believe as a, as a flat earth recruiter and and i and the reason why i use recruiter in case you don't ask is because i don't ever want to say even though the documentary is always oh, the king of flat earth the president of flat earth and lord duke baron whatever a flat earth is like no no no, no. flat earth is a, is a giant community it is a university in my book right and people tend to run into my stuff before they get to people like ODD or Eric Dubay or, or Nathan Oakley or David Weiss or whoever those guys. I mean, there's so many people, but they, what's that line from Blow, <laughs> the movie Blow? If you did cocaine in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, there was an 80% chance you got it from me. That's what, you know, if you were into Flat Earth wow. back in, you know, 2015, 2016, or even 2017, chances are you went through me first. You're like, you're like Flat Earth 1.0. And I am. I am. I the if if the book ever gets written, uh, the Dummies Guide for Flat Earth, <laughs> or or Flat Earth One Hundred and One, I, I am the Flat Earth One Hundred and One book. Right. 
Play, plain and simple. And, and I don't mind being that. Um, but being that means I get to talk to a lot of different media and, you know, if, as long as you're camera friendly and, and you can talk well, you know, or you articulate. You don't they'll, have to be that on. camera friendly. I mean, look at me anyway. <laughs> I, um, I want to talk to you about your Reader's Digest clip. You brought it up and basically that's sort of a snapshot of the things you've asking questions to and the things you had discovered at that point. Yeah. Are they all still accurate in your opinion or have you changed on some of those? Uh, no, for the most part, they are, what should I have answered it? No. Yes, they are. They are about as accurate uh, as, as then as I, I may have changed a couple things. The only thing that, that I really changed because I only touched on so many points and I didn't touch any mathematics during, during really any of the, the clue series was that, I was kind of a fan because I didn't know any different. I, I thought, okay, the Orlando Ferguson flat earth map from the 1800s, for, you know, American, where it was sort of shaped like a roulette table. I kind of like that, where it was mostly flat, but kind of had a bulge in the middle and it was kind of high in the ends. But people jumped on me almost immediately and they said, you can't use a roulette table as an example. And I go, why not? And I go, because all the numbers of a roulette table add up to 666. Wow. And I go, is that true? And, and I, I looked it up. It actually is true. It's like, it's like, that is so weird. So I said, all right, well, I can't use that anymore. So everything, when, everything else I pretty much stuck to. Yeah. Okay. So in that one, you talk about the flights around the Southern Hemisphere. And we'll yes. get to the map shortly. The Southern Hemisphere is what you would consider kind of the outside area of the flight. Yeah, the outer rim. Um, yeah. So do you know that you can fly direct Auckland to Chile? You can fly yes. direct Sydney to Johannesburg? Yes. Uh, there's two airlines that fly non-slop from Australia to South America. Yes. Um, so one of those points you seem to be making in that is there's no flights from Southern Hemisphere to Southern Hemisphere. There are. Yeah. But, but so that point, therefore, if you were going to make it again, you wouldn't make that point. How does that well, work? Well, if, if I had to go back and, and make it do it again, well, I'd probably just at that point, I'd probably just blend clue seven and clue nine. Right. Because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because clue seven, where I was talking about the, the, the long haul flights. Um, and I, and I really did. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't necessarily exaggerating. I was looking a long time for flights and I could not find it. And I thought it was really, it, it bothered me that I, cause yeah, yeah, I got emails every day from people who said, no, there's this flight or this flight. And I said, doesn't it bother you that 95% of percent of the flights or 98% of the flights aren't nonstop down there, but it didn't really matter. Um, at that point, then I started looking into the flight trackers and, okay. um, so that's, that, that's when I made the, the magic show. So that point would be would be moot now. But I guess the other thing about that is I'm intrigued as to how your brain works. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I'm sure you've taken a bus in your life. Mm -hmm. I've taken a bus when I was at school primarily. And a bus <laughs> never goes direct point A to point B. Often right. it zigzags and goes through areas because of that's where the people get off. It's interesting that you'd go okay. to there's not enough direct flights. Isn't it weird that so many of them go through the, like go through America to the, but I kind of go, well, hang on. If 80% of the people are going to get off in LAX from Auckland, yeah. it makes sense to go Auckland, LAX, LAX, Santiago. And, you, sort of the, and the bus analogy is good. I have not had anyone actually bring up the, the, the bus comparison. Um, but in the pilots that I was talking to in, yep. in 2015, they all came at me because I asked that too, of course. It's like, it like, are they picking up people? How is this happening? Why are we doubling and tripling the distances? And the pilots are going, you're absolutely right. You would never do it. The, 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 the airlines only care about one thing, and that is fuel. Um, if you're only picking up a few people here and there, uh, I mean, yeah, you might stop there, but he goes for a lot of flights, it, do, it would not make sense to take these overarching routes to the, especially into the Northern hemisphere and then back down. 
because it, it just doesn't on. make it, it wouldn't just be fuel it would be also passengers to fund that fuel if there was two people I'm, and i'm exaggerating although in this day and age with coronavirus maybe i'm not i'm exaggerating yeah. if there was two people that wanted to go auckland santiago and there was you know 400 people that wanted to go auckland lax yes they're not going to have a flight specifically for Auckland Santiago because the fuel would be cheaper. They're going to go Auckland LAX, LAX Santiago because the money for the other passengers is going to pay for that fuel to get to Santiago. That's uh, it. What I'm, saying, I'm, I'm interested in as to where you would jump to. Man, this is a bit weird, and you wouldn't go. You know what? A, a business where you pay for fuel as a customer, right. like a bus, right. is right. really very, really direct path. It goes the the best path to drop off as much people. Uh, as possible, which is why there's far fewer direct flights as there would be connecting flights. Right, right, right. That makes uh, logical two, sense to me. Two, two things. Uh, one, uh, and, and I've got, I, you know, I interviewed as many people as I could. You know, they, they approached me, which was really weird. And there was a woman, uh, and I have to look it up because it's been a couple of years now, uh, a travel agent in your neck of the woods mm -hmm. who said, she goes, you have no idea how hard it is to be a travel agent down here because there are capital cities. Now, yes, you mentioned, you know, there's some direct flights from this place to this place and this place to this place. She goes, but there are some capital cities you cannot get direct flights to. Yeah. No matter, no matter how much money you have. And she goes, she goes, you have no idea how lucky you have it in the Northern or inner circle, because, you know, we can, it's not a question of if you can get nonstop flights, it's just when, and, and, you know, if can you get first class. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the, the money, you know, picking up people along the way, sorry, let me break this off into one other piece, which is first off, the pilot said they don't, they don't make enough money off those people to justify the amount of fuel that you're blowing. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I mean, some of these routes literally are double and triple the distance of what they should be. But the other thing that caught everybody off guard, which was these high arcing flights, and, and I'm sure you watch the documentary and seen all sorts of stuff. The high arcing flights, when you put it into an AE map or a flat map, they com almost completely straighten out into either shallow dog legs or almost a, a straight shot. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that, you know, raised a lot of eyebrows. It wasn't, it wasn't just that it was going north. I mean, yeah, it was people people caught that but the other thing was again if if why do the flights make so much more sense on a flat map okay um i yeah fair enough so that's that's the response from your thing i doesn't i still think the idea of oh no 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 it's fine, fine. Off is the way it goes. so 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 to kind of open the conversation more right. generically why does it matter why does it matter that the earth is flat why are there people like yourself being recruiters, people like the other names you've mentioned, sort of fighting for it. There's a whole industry that's popped up around the flat earth. Why does it matter to convince the rest of us that the earth is flat? It, it matters only in that it's the only conspiracy I've ever seen where it, there's a positive message behind it. Meaning, uh, let, let's boil it down to the, the, we'll try to leave as much as religion out of this as we can, mm -hmm. just, just for the show, which is science will tell you that we're on this tiny little rock filled, you know, covered with smoke and, and water and we're flying through an impossible universe and your life means nothing. You're part of the Big Bang system and you're irrelevant. You have no purpose. Whereas if you believe in the flat model, if you believe in you're in an enclosed world, a Truman Show, you know, this giant building, then it absolutely was built. And it was built for you in mind. And people, it's this weird double punch where people all of a sudden get, you know, if they, once they get it, once they, they get this epiphany, it's like, holy smokes, it could be real. And then all of a sudden it, 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 it condenses the universe down to where 
you used to be just alone, you know, talking into the darkness to down to uh, you're in this giant studio apartment and all of a sudden you're relevant. And you know, there may or may not be God. I'm not going to say exactly who God is. But at that point, all of a sudden, you, you have meaning. And that excites a whole bunch of people. And I didn't know this going in. It was like, but which is why when I started seeing the conferences that were pop up, you got to remember, there are certain, there's a number of conferences in the States that I'm not even asked to speak at because I'm not Christian enough. Right. And at least half of the community are hardcore uh, Christians. When it, when it comes to this, because they were on the fence, you know, they were like 90% sure about the whole God thing. But then flat earth, uh, in fact, I, I talked to one, I don't want to drag this on, I know you have a bunch of questions. But there was, I was talking to, to one guy who went to a conference and he goes, they were talking in this big group of, of people, you know, that were online creators for the Christian community. He goes, he goes we've never seen a recruiting tool like this when wow. it comes to uh, religion. I was like, wow. Uh, so you mean positive. flat earth funneling people into Christianity? F funny, funneling people into the church, not just Christianity, but you know, in the United States, that's the, the majority, yeah. but just about all religions. Uh, because again, it, it says, okay, if it, was, if it was built, then it was built by someone or something. And at that point, you really, there's only two roads you can go down, which is, okay, either an ancient civilization that's much older and powerful than ourselves, some, something out of contact with Jodie Foster, or some uh, Santa Claus on a Sunday after, Sunday morning in his bathrobe. Or, or One of those two. Or, or a God figure. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, so exactly. these people are basically saying that this world has been designed for me, therefore I am important. I, yeah. I, I push back against the idea that if you don't believe that life means nothing. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a scientist and I'm, I, I would love to ask a scientist the question of how they would value life. And mm. I, I think that you know, humans are an incredible uh, being. I, I talked to someone yesterday, I talked about us being a sack of cells, yeah. uh, a bag of meat, whatever we are. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, the art that we produce and the advances that we've made. And I think that there, I think that not many people, I think that's an assumption. I don't mm -hmm. think many people who are involved in the sciences would say, yeah, life means nothing. I think people would say that that we are, here for a very short time, we are an incredible sack of cells. We do incredible things. Life is beautiful. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting because I, I listen to you, and this is going to come into my next question. Some of the work I do is in marketing and media, so I help companies with their messaging and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes if the Flat Earth has got their messaging wrong. Um, mm. what my next question was going to be, why does the Flat Earth community push back so hard against people who disagree with their theories? And I often talk to my kids, you know, it's that silly saying about you um, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Right. And sometimes the aggression, I know that on this, on my Facebook page, this will be get, this will get a lot of interaction and I know that yeah. plenty will be negative and, yeah. and, and accusing people of being shills, all this kind of stuff. And the aggression that comes out of the flat earth community yeah. and maybe the assumptions and, and, and you don't have to accept that. You may not agree with that, but the idea of life meaning nothing, the assumptions that are made aren't actually helping the cause for the message overall. Why does that kind of, and it's not just a, it's not just a passion. There is, I mean, you spoke of Nathan Oakley. There is an aggressive, you know, um, mocking, basically oh, yeah. name calling of people who aren't in yeah. your camp. Why does that exist? That, um, the, the Nathan Oakley side of things existed mostly. He wasn't like that in the beginning. He absolutely wasn't. I mean, I've seen him do some wonderful interviews, uh, one in Vice, and, on Vice in particular, which was just perfect. Yep, saying that. Um, but the problem was is that we have some dedicated trolls, and uh, the, you know, it's, it's a big group. 
as you can imagine, there's a lot of pushback from the troll side that you hit, you hit someone hard enough, you know, enough times. It's kind of like, you know, the, you know, fighting back from the bully at school. Eventually you're going to turn that person, you know, they're going to start swinging. And so, yeah, there's a, a certain number of people in our community. And I absolutely agree with you, by the way, that honey over vinegar wins every time. Uh, but there are some people it's like, yeah, you know what? Vinegar is just fine for me. <laughs> They'll just, they'll go down that road, which is like, okay, I, I get it. I mean, I won't do it. I, I love the whole honey thing. I, you know, and because people say, because I've gotten, I mean, some of my interviews, people just come at me, just come at me. And, and they say, why didn't you get mad? I go, why, why would I get mad? It's hypocritical. I go, I was them. I was on the other side of the fence. I was on the other sense for, for years. Wow. I go, if I yell at them, what message am I sending? Uh, but, but, to that point, you're, you're saying, okay, you know, why do some people get upset? Well, can I, can we just say, after being in this rabbit hole for a long time, it's not just some people. I would say it's the majority of flat earthers that have a profile, like on a YouTube, whatever, are fairly, aggress are fairly aggressive and yeah. are fairly um, confrontational. And not in like, like if you and me had a debate, right? Yeah. Love a debate. Love, love a passionate debate. Love, you know, I'm okay with raised voices. Not a problem. But that sure. it goes beyond that. And I wouldn't say it's just some. Because you could also argue that because flat earthers are made up of humans and some humans are dicks and these people are dicks. Fair enough. But right. there does seem to be a disproportionate amount of aggression coming from the flat earth side, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And, and no, no, you would you would be right. I the only defense I can give there is that kind of like Nathan Oakley. I mean, Nathan Oakley is the perfect example, but there are others. Everyone started out as something else. Everybody else started out as as being nicer. And look, it's even tougher for me sometimes. I mean, when I I, I think last year I I popped off at somebody because he he kept riding me, and I realized he he was he was doing it. He wasn't just pushing buttons. He was he was trying to be mean, and uh, and and so I was you know I was taking some shots back other people don't have nearly the, the some sort of restraint i get a lot of emails people say wow i really commend that I, I get this over and over they say wow if i would have been talking to this person i would have you know blah, 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 blah. I, and i said yeah i i can't do that so all i can tell you is the the people you know yes there is some aggression there but it's mostly because of conditioning um a question that's gonna we're gonna come back to at some stage because i know that quite a lot of flat earthers uh, don't accept the quote-unquote evidence, and I'm and I'm using quote-unquote evidence because I I want to respect that you guys have a position um, from NASA, for example, and they use the word it's Photoshop. Everything from NASA is Photoshop. The only right. question I want to ask you is, you do you accept that a photo is not necessarily fake, even if it's been through some photoshopping? I'm not asking for anything specific, but what I'm saying is, just because someone says I've I've photoshopped this. That doesn't necessarily mean that that photo was fake, whatever the photo is. I, it, it, because I'm older, I can say I, I can say this with some authority. Photoshop changed the way we looked at the internet. I looked at everything basically because I remember you know when Photoshop first came out, and I saw what some of my friends could do with it back in the early days, back in the '90s. I said, "Wow, this is really going to undermine the potential credibility of everything." And to, so when, when the NASA photos, you know, we, saw, when we started looking into some of the NASA photos, uh, it was, it's easy, kind of like the, you've probably heard the term auto hoax. It's easier for people to jump on the Photoshop bandwagon because why wouldn't you? Uh, you know, once, once you see a fir the first couple of Photoshopped images, you know, that, you know, confirmed as Photoshop, how can you trust anything? Like anything, you know, once your, once your spouse cheats on you, well, you're going to be looking at them sideways for the rest of their lives. 
And so is it possible there could be some real images from NASA? Uh, yes, some, but I would imagine they'd be on the ground. But listen, I, I want to step back one because that's not what I asked. What I asked oh, we, was, do you accept that a photo that goes through a Photoshopping process yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that that photo is fake? In other oh, words, you mean like the old school airbrushing? Let that me we used contextualize to... it for you. I take a photo of a wedding. I then lighten it up in photo in Photoshop. Yeah. That photograph is not fake. Right. It's been adapted slightly within Photoshop. The question I'm asking is, do you accept then that just because something has been Photoshopped, whatever the something is, it doesn't necessarily mean it's fake? Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Because why, I, why not? One, yeah. of the, one of the points that the, the backwards and forwards is NASA says that they Photoshop something and then a lot of fake authors go, well, that means it's fake. Right. I think that the word Photoshop doesn't necessarily mean fake. Now, whether it is or isn't, that's a debate, but I want to make really clear. So as an example, and I've used this example before, if I had yeah. a, 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 and I was going to say basketball, not because it's circular, but if I had a picture of a basketball and I zoomed right in and right. 20 different photos of it. So in other words, super close up. And then I yeah. use Photoshop to assemble those to make it the right shape. Right. That would be a photo of a real thing and it wouldn't be a fake photo. It would be using Photoshop to assemble that photo. And that's basically what I think some of the photos of the Earth are claiming to be. That the Photoshopping that NASA does, what they claim, make that clear what they claim, yeah. is that this picture of this planet, this whatever it is, is Photoshopped, i.e. we've assembled it through seven different shots or something like that right 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 the and i can't remember is it brian simmons brian the scott simmons i can't remember the guy's name his last name is simmons though bob simmons robertson robert simmons the um the the nasa engineer uh the the problem with that thinking is that we, there's once you get a high profile image that's absolutely been dissected with so when a nasa engineer comes out and said oh yeah that that particular image had to be photo completely built from Photoshop uh, because we had no other images, which was the um, uh, very first uh, globe image they put on iPhones. So the very first iPhones that came out had that cool globe image. Yeah. And what was interesting to me was I completely related to when he talked about that because, uh, and it's an older story, but I'll tell you real quick, which was when I was looking at uh, it for images of earth from space back in the day, back in, you know, 2001, 2002, when I was working at, at a tech support, you know, doing the, the time and attendance software company, I wanted to put all these different images on the, the tech support monitors. I thought that'd be kind of cool. And there literally was one image in the entire internet of the earth from space, which was the Apollo 17 blue marble shot. Yep. And I honestly couldn't see the forest with the trees. I did not know that that was the only image, image out there. I literally was like, well, NASA, you suck at the internet because why is there only one image out there? And but, but the thing was the Simmons guy from NASA did the same thing. He, he was like, oh, I got to make an image for the iPhone. And he, he did the same thing. He looked, he's like, well, there isn't anything out there, so I'm just going to create one from scratch. Here's cool. the part that bugged me about that, is that that image, you know, you know which one I'm talking about. It's yeah. the one where, you know, he did, he, I don't know what it was. Is it called the blue marble, officially or something? something? No, well, it's not, it's not, it's just what you call the iPhone blue marble. It's not the official blue marble shot, and it's not even blue marble 2. That one came out in like late 2015. It was like 43 years between blue marble shots. What was interesting, though, was two things. One was that he... Clo use the cloning tool in the southern hemisphere i don't know what it was he, like he had to finish by friday because he had to go out for wings and beer he was like it's like oh i gotta finish thing clone 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 it's like okay it's done because i've never seen anyone get so lazy with the southern hemisphere ever in my life 
Um, but the other thing was when I was doing the, the documentary uh, behind the curve with, with this team and we were down at the Kennedy Space Center down in Houston and we went to one of their exhibits and inside the space shuttle that was outside on the wall, they didn't even have a caption next to it. They had that image on the wall. I mean, that exact image. I mean, it was the Photoshopped image from, from Simmons. And I know they did, you know, there's like, well, we own the rights to it. So why wouldn't we put there? And I'm telling the documentary team, I'm going, I'm going, look, here I go, because it was blown up. I go, here's the cloning tool, clone, 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 clone. I go, all these cloud formations are completely fake. I go, everything's bad. And the, um, the documentary team, you know, I thought, I thought it went pretty well. And they wouldn't use it, wouldn't even consider it. It wasn't even the outtake reel. They, and I said, look, it's right there, right there in front of you. I go, why, are, why is this image even here? It's absolutely, it's absolutely created. So I'm sorry, I was getting off in the weeds. There. No, 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 that's fine. Because I do want to just not skip over something you did say in this as well, which was there, is, there was one image of the planet from NASA. Why so often do we skip over that? It's like, there's only one image. Okay, so if there's only one image, there's one image. So that means... Well, yeah, but that was, but that was the only one they released ever. I mean, the but, Apollo... But the point being, there is one image. If, if, you're, if, this, if you're saying there's only one image, yeah. then there's one image. Yeah, but who's to say that wasn't airbrushed to... I mean, remember, because that was, that was taken in 1972. So who's to say that wasn't created from scratch? So this is where we need to um, delve a little bit further into it. Maybe we won't today. Maybe this will be more. Maybe this will be my uh, Reader's Digest delve into it. will be all the, the okay. But then that comes into conjecture and opinion. Who's sure. to say that? Right. And that's when I kind of go, well, that's where we, you know, it's, it's, it's he said, she said, so to speak. So, I, and, and, I, and which is why I did not focus on it in the clues. I never, I don't think at any point did I say in the clues that that image was absolutely fake. What I focused on was, why in the world was there only one blue marble shot taken from 1972 all the way up till 2015? 43 years, they never took a second blue marble shot. So no what, one ever took. What do you think of things, and I'm sure you're aware of it, like the Himawari 8? There's a couple of... Oh, um, my God. Yeah, oh, we, we've torn that thing to shreds. All, all the data is preloaded. And by the way, why, why can we... Only, we can only get one of two things. We can either get the Earth rotating which very rarely you can get that from a distance and that most of that is Galileo with no weather formations changing at all, or you can get absolutely stationary with the weather formations moving, but you can't get both. And, and by the way, you, I can, I can point you at a whole bunch of Himawari videos where we just delved in because it's not hard. They didn't even hide the, the websites where all the data is being loaded from. I'll have a, I'm happy to have a look. I am. Um, and I have I, I, we're going to share some screen stuff later on. I haven't brought up yeah. the Himawari 8. People don't know what it is. Um, Japanese satellite taking photos of the earth every 10 minutes in the back. The thing right. that I find that I find that believable in is I look at that and I look at the weather on that and I look yep. out the window and it's accurate. When, sure. when Australia had the bushfires, the clouds that the weather reports were saying, uh, the smoke clouds, what was happening at the time, the colour of our skies here in New Zealand, we had orange skies over there, were showing on that. And um, I believe there's another satellite, I, 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 I need to check this out, but a right. Google satellite or something, and the images seem to be oh yeah no the weather patterns are absolutely authentic no no question but they're overlaid onto a spherical model so the, all they did was they took you know it's just software you know they took the the noaa data i think you can look at i again i'll show you some fun links on it where they took the noaa data and just overlaid it kind of like they did with google earth people how many people are going to come up and say well google earth is real it's like no not really it's not a real time there's so many people that think google earth literally is real-time 
footage and it's like you realize there's no weather anywhere no yeah, google is not real-time image google is as is, is supposed but it's photographs but, as it go as satellites go around that you can then zoom in on it could be from yeah. six months ago but it's a great example of how you can take you know any data and overlay it onto just about any surface um let's let's move i want to talk about behind the curve yeah. um documentary it was out in 2018 and it was based filmed in 2017 because that's when yes this- conference was the yeah. most important question is i want to know where you got the, that bow tie from and those glasses <laughs> i gotta get me some that, of those that was the best 20 dollars i ever spent on amazon I, I and i only bought it because uh patricia i knew that she literally had evening gowns she's one of those women that actually have multiple gowns i said well no one's even going to think i exist standing next to her and so i said the only way i can beat her is with technology so i bought a matching set of um aqua blue glasses that were powered by like little um triple a batteries or double a batteries and uh and a bow tie for it and uh that's that and it's, who knew they were gonna use that for like the poster shot mm-hmm. and stuff I, I don't know what it was they're like oh that's the shot so um during the documentary uh i think it was a reporter from nightline asked the question about exploration and you yeah. declared this is 2017 spoiler yep. alert and then said it was happening three years ago they were asking about investigating and setting up um like a discovery to the so-called ice wall so that was three years ago you put out spoiler alert to that reporter where i don't know what happened uh that wasn't my group that was um uh part of the globusters team where and hopefully i'm not giving away too much they were acquiring funding they they had some investors outside investors that were going to kick in the same sort of investors that um uh, not the exact same ones, but the same, similar ones like, you know, donated the money for the, the gyroscope. Mm-hmm. And the, pff, nothing ever panned out. I mean, like anything, I, the old producer line, something my father always told me, he goes, until it happens, it hasn't. So it was a rumor at the time, never panned out. All right. Um, also from that documentary, of course, um, I think there's a flat earther called, I think his name is Bob. And there yep. was an incident of the 15 degrees per hour drift Yep. where it seemed, and then there was a, a huddled, uh, secretive sort of whispering mess where Bob then said, if this gets out, it won't be good for us. Yep. Uh, it appeared that they had, quote, unquote, proven that the Earth was spinning 15 degrees an hour. 15 degrees times 24 is about 360, so one full yep. rotation. Yep. Tell, explain that to me. What what happened there? Because the way it shows in the uh, documentary is the Earth is spinning at 15 degrees an hour. Okay. First, based, based on what the flat Earther found. Yep, got it. First off, uh, you got to remember the filmmakers hated us absolutely. And if you've heard anything I've said, uh, it's, it's repeated. By the time we got to the end of making that film, they absolutely hated flat Earth with a passion, which really, really surprised me because we had no idea until the editing uh, part was, and not because of the editing it was just stuff they had said in like the director's commentary. Right. I was I was really really surprised. Uh, I mean they they kept everything close to the vest, and I had I had no idea. Um, as far as the fifteen degrees per hour, uh, what can I tell you? Is does the gyro picking up? Is the sky moving or is the ground moving? We say the sky is moving, and you know, and but is it picking? Is it picking up something else? I mean, yes, it's picking up fifteen degrees per hour, no question. But what is it? Is it the sky, or you know, are we moving or is the sky moving? We say it's the sky. Other people say it's the ground. What do you mean the sky's moving? Meaning if you go into a planetarium and I don't know if you're having planetariums in that particular city. I know. But, and you, or you look, you know, and 
time lapse of what's happening in the ceiling, you know, you've got to move the stars and the moon and the planets. Yeah. You've got to move them across. So that would be the sky moving. All right. I'll, I'm gonna... and, and in fact, in fact, here, I'll, one more. If you watch any time lapse, look, any, take anything on YouTube, type in nighttime sky time lapse, which has nothing to do with us, yeah. and you watch it. What are you looking at? I mean, you can say, well, it's sort of an optical illusion. It looks like the sky is moving, but it's not. And we come back and say, really? How do you know? Exactly. Because up until five years ago, I would have said, yeah, we're moving. The sky isn't moving. Right. So you're suggesting that the stars are moving at nighttime as opposed to the, the earth rotating, making it look right. like it's moving. Yep. Exa exactly what we're saying. We're, I'm saying that we are living in, again, uh, a building with walls and a floor and a ceiling and everything up in the sky. The planets, the stars, all the special things that are happening up there are just part of a giant, elaborate clock system really predates all language and that's all it is so the other thing obviously the other experiment that was shown in the behind the curve documentary was the three uh, pieces of wood with the whole yep. the same. And the styrofoam yeah and the flat earther himself said i'm not sure who that was sorry jaron from jaronism that if the light doesn't line up so if people who haven't seen it are yep. putting uh, three basically shining a light through three holes at the same level above sea level or whatever it is yep. meaning that if the if the earth was flat it would shine all the way through them and he actually said in the documentary if this doesn't work that's evidence that the earth has a curve and right. it didn't work he had to hold it up above his head to be able to get seen so at different levels explain that one to me and why didn't he quit if that was the case? First, uh, again, the power of editing. <laughs> the producers hated Jaron more than anyone because they made him, they, he dragged them up to San Francisco twice. Not once, but twice. People don't know that in the documentary, the first time where he melted the condenser on the laser, that was the first experiment where it got really, really big. He melted it. They didn't even say that. Most people don't know that if you, um, uh, you leave a laser on, any military-grade laser, for long enough that you're just going to melt it. Uh, you're just going to melt the, uh, the condenser on it. But the other thing, and I will, I'm not going to defend Jaron too much here because he absolutely did botch the experiment. I didn't know until months later. And again, this is one of your scientific method things you really should get right, which is he never did a dry run before the, the film team showed up. It's like, Oh, we'll just do it live at, at night. He, he had never even been to the site during daytime. And so there were so many people ribbing him after the, the documentary that finally he drove, I, I didn't even know, I had to watch it live, live stream. He drives to the site and he goes, oh, I never even had line of sight to begin with. It's like, so you assume that the dirt road was going to be perfectly level and every, you were have no obstructions between here and there. You, you were just going to shoot, you just shot it like that and he didn't know. So no, I, it, was, it was a faulty experiment to begin with. And we have tons of experiments shooting long distance with lasers. In fact, in fact, let me throw one more out at you, which is that documentary team knew about at least five of them. And, and, and spec, the, my favorite, which was in Lake Balaton out in Hungary, which we shot 40 kilometers in the freezing cold. Like three of our guys like almost died of pneumonia with military grade lasers. Guinness Book World Records there was with us. Documentary team knew all about this. Never even touched it. Never even touched it. They leaned against us really, really hard because they thought we were corrupting kids towards Can the end. You, um, happy to have those links and I'm happy to put them up. Uh, I will, I will send them to you after, because after what, this. What the documentary show, and like I said, I, I'm deep in this. I watch a lot of videos yeah. on YouTube and I watch a lot of debunking videos as well. Yeah, sure. um, and what it seems that happens a lot of the time is rather than going, we've got a supposition 
but let's test it and see the outcome. It seems that the flat earthers a lot of the time say, we have a conclusion, yeah. now let's fit the let's fit the test into it. I mean, the conclusion from the 15 degree per hour drift was yeah. this is going to show no drift, but it showed a drift, so it had to change the uh, understanding. The, yeah. the conclusion for the uh, for the experiment through the pieces of wood or whatever they were, polystyrene was, this is going to show a straight line. Oops, it didn't. Let's explain it a different way. It right. seems that it's pretty, I mean, I, I actually think in the documentary there's a scientist talking about what science is and they talk about being the arrow or something, meaning there's an idea looking for an outcome and science is getting to that outcome, but the outcome is not predetermined. And it mm. seems that a lot of these experiments from the flat earthers, there's a predetermined outcome and then when it doesn't work, they move the goalposts. Oh no, no, is it the sky? Or is it, except they, is it the sky moving or is it the Earth moving? Yet they set it up to say this tests the drift of the Earth. That doesn't work. Therefore, we better change what this is testing. That's what it comes across as, at least anyway. Yeah, no, no, no I got gotcha. you. And, and honestly, when it came to the documentary, because a lot of people have asked me after the fact, they said, "Would you have changed anything when it came to the documentary?" And I, and I said, really, the only thing I would, have, I would have changed would have been the jab at the end. I would have given it a different ending, although that ending played well with audiences. I sat in different film festivals with different audiences, wow. hidden, you know, and, and watched it. And the reason why the documentary did as well as it did in film festivals and in Netflix was it went back and forth. Right. It, wasn't pure, it wasn't pure uncut flat earth. It was, you know, it was flat earth, flat earth, and then a scientist. Flat earth, flat earth, psychiatrist. Flat earth, flat earth, uh, an astronaut and so on and so on. But I got to disagree with the, um, uh, some of the suppositions that we start with. I mean, yes, the gyroscope was a little blurrier than most because you're absolutely right. You know, initially it was like, because we didn't know, you know we're uncharted territory. We were looking for no drift and it's like, okay, maybe there's drift. Okay, why is there drift? But 90% of the experiments that we do uh, involve long, long distance photography. Mm -hmm. which again they didn't even really touch in in that film which was stunning to me because it's like look we you know in the, uh, most the reason is because it's the easiest thing to do you go to a beach and you look long off into the distance and should you be able to see this target yes or no and then how much of that target can you see and so on and so on mm -hmm. um and that and in those cases we just keep refining and refining and refining that's our most basic test and literally my number one bullet point when i talk to anybody about it, they say what's your best proof for flat earth i go there's no curvature when you look off into the distance i mean i don't want to get into a debate necessarily about that but i agree that there when you look into the distance you don't see curvature because we're on at sea level you need to get elevation to see to see curvature. So I, I, I agree with it. when you're standing at the sea level, there's no curvature. I mean, well, side, side to side, you're absolutely right. But often the distance, again, I mean, again, we don't have to get into a bit, but one of our arguments, and I, when I made the clues, I had no idea what the curvature of the earth was scientifically. You know, we didn't make it up. And that is eventually an object will go over the edge. It will go over the other side of the, the hill. And you can't see it. You can't see it dipping down. I mean, I didn't tell all the people that said that, that sailboats disappear, hole up and sailboats no, 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 go no, off no. in the distance. That, that, that's different. You're saying, is it? yeah, because you're saying you can see the curvature. You can't see the curvature. What you're saying is you can see the effects of the curvature. Seeing okay. the curvature would mean you can see the actual curve. You can't see something dipping down away from you. Okay. How, however, not, not to go into the whole Nathan Oakley thing, but eventually you're going to have a line off in the distance, depending on what your elevation is. And most of the time we try to stay as close to sea level as possible. Otherwise people yell at us. And that is, okay, let's you're six feet or lower off the, off the beach eventually an object of whatever height is going to be gone 
because yeah. because of perceived effects of the curvature. Yes. And we never see that. I mean, it's well, the only thing we'll get to start. Okay. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've got some video so on this point, though, and I think this is something about we can't see the curvature. That's an interesting one because I've explained this once before, and I did it very poorly. So maybe me trying to do it again is stupid. But okay. I, I imagine an orange, circle, yep. right? I imagine yep. a, a little a little flea standing on top of the orange. Yep. And I imagine cutting the orange off. So you've now got uh, a, like this, like a, a slice of the top third of the orange. Okay. Looking in all of those directions, all the way around you, you yeah. would see no curve. You'd see a flat line all the way around you. Sure. You're only, but that, but that's what I'm saying. You don't see the curve standing you, at sea. You, you, you would be right. And I hate, hate to bring this up, but it's, I, I have used the clip too many times in the last year. And that was Neil Tyson, you know, the world's most popular scientist, when he went on stage and and he was, I loved it because he was complaining about the Red Bull jump. And he was saying, it's, he goes, it was scientifically dishonest because even at 130,000 feet, you would not be able to see a curvature at all. And yet the, uh-oh. Now we're still here. Keep going. Oh, okay. Oh, it just went full screen when you did that up for me. The, um, which I, I didn't know how you pulled that off. So, um, but the, the point was, is he said that, that Red Bull shows this extreme curvature. That's because of the fisheye lens that was used. And so, no, you're, you're absolutely right. At sea level, when you look around, you should not even be able to see the curvature. But even Neil Tyson said at 130,000 feet, you'll he said no civilian will ever be able to see the curvature, which I, which I thought was interesting. When I talk about curvature, I'm just saying looking off into the distance, okay. like you're looking at this tanker ship, the geogas. Let's just have a look at this, right? Okay. Yep. I'm going to make sure the sound's off because I don't want to get pulled off YouTube. Obviously, yep. it's, um, it's, what do you call it, um, time-lapsed. And there's right. the tanker going off into the distance right. over, the, over the curvature of the Earth. Right. So why, why did it fade away instead of going clearly over the, over the curvature? Oh, I know all the clips you can use. Good. The, and the, the big reason, again, your average person doesn't know anything about this, so I'll give it to your listeners, which is atmospheric lensing. Because what we're talking, and I'm sorry, your face is over here now, but I'll, I'll try to stay here. That's fine. Which, which is um, atmospheric lensing, which is what we're talking through right now is only mostly transparent. And people forget it. It's like, look, you're, you're, in fact, you're not even breathing in mostly oxygen. It's mostly nitrogen. It's eight parts nitrogen to two parts oxygen. Okay. And it's basically a, it's a soup. And that soup has thickness. And over distance, that gets thicker and thicker and thicker. That's I, the only reason you can't see things at 300 miles and 400 miles is because you're looking through thickness. Like that tanker. The tanker might as well, basically, it's going off into a thin, thin version of fog. Well, let me just That's, push back on that a little bit. Because it disappears, and I know you'll have heard this a million times. Yep. This is the common thing. It yep. disappears very clearly for people who are listening to this audio podcast right. from the bottom up. And it's not blurry when the bottom up starts to disappear. Yes, it goes into a cloud or something once it's about the, the last 10%. But 90% of it very clearly disappears from the bottom up whilst you can still see it. Before we keep going, now I'll show you this one. This is not hundreds of kilometers. Obviously, you know this one. And, I, and I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, the Discovery, the Discovery Channel helicopter shot. Oh, yeah. Pick one that says Flat Earth Crushed by Discovery Channel. It's, yeah, it's that's going to be about. legitimate. Yeah. That's not what I'm about. It's, it's, it's literally, literally, though, having a look as we speak at a helicopter flying on the other side of the lake, going right. down below the water level, disappearing. Right. And then, actually, I might put it on double speed. How many, how many edit cuts are we going to have with this, by the way? The so 20, 30? Now, we're literally watching it go yeah. underneath the horizon level. Yep. 
And then as it as they continue their conversation, like I said, I'll, uh, maybe I'll double speak. No, no, I know this. But there's people this, who haven't seen this before. Let me play this. And, the, and obviously there is a cut there. That's fair. But you did see it go under. And if we then speed it up, um, we'll then see the same helicopter taking off. And if people want to go and look this, they can look it up themselves. They say it gets to 28 feet before it can be seen above the waterline again. Yeah. Now, now. Okay, now you're, you're going to use this as absolute proof. The Discovery oh, Channel coming after us in 2016 with a helicopter and at least 30 edit cuts. Okay, well, here's no edit cut here as it watches. Oh, they're watching God. it there coming above the waterline. Uh-huh. All I want to know is your explanation for that. That's all I want to know. Uh, atmospheric lensing and creative editing. How's so that? you basically think they've faked it on purpose? Oh, absolutely. I do. They think they faked it. Have you seen some of the segments run on us? Oh my God, I sat, okay, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a better one to look up. The National Geographic piece, which I think is like ranked number two or number three, where they're, perfect examples. We were out the Salton Sea with National Geographic. They flew me out for this thing just so they could, they could come after us. Across the lake at about nine miles, this was their test they came up with. They had balloons on the shoreline. The problem is in the desert, when there's no discernible landmarks, they couldn't even figure out where the balloons were because they were so far away and they grab their, their, their long distance cameras and they can't find them. They can't find them. They go, well, you can't see them because they're on the other side of the curve. And we break out our P1000s and P900s. And we say, no, they're right there. And we, and you know, we had, they had camera teams on both sides with communi- you know, communication devices. And we were the ones that spotted the balloons and they could not use that footage at all. They said, well, they can't see the balloons because it's on the other side of the curve. It's like, no, it's right there. We know exactly where you are. Mm-hmm. And they scrapped that entire section of the, of the program, just killed it. I mean, that took hours and hours to shoot, and they killed it deliberately. So, no, when the Discovery Channel comes out with that helicopter footage in 2016 with that sort of headline, no. You got to remember. Well, that was, no, hang on. That, that, that's unfair because that's, that's not the Discovery Channel's headline. That's whatever donk put it up onto um, YouTube and then used their clip. Either that's way. The but, Discovery but, 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 I just saying that we let's be fair and accurate. I know that you're very much into that. That's not the Discovery Channel headline. Fine, it is not the Discovery Channel. However, it was the Discovery Channel's experiment, and they have a vested interest in science as well, National Geographic, and every other group. I mean, it's the reason. Why? How do you think they got a very small documentary team got Scott Kelly on their documentary? Scott Kelly, you went immediately there. They talked to him. Apparently, they had him for like all of five minutes. He was there to deliver one line and one line only, which they used for the trailer, which is, first time I heard about Flat Earth, I was in space. Oh, my God. Ugh. So your, your response to the helicopter going below the water horizon is it's fine. Atmospheric lensing and uh, hatchet yeah. job with the editing. Absolutely. And your response for the boat disappearing from the bottom up for 90%. Atmospheric lensing and the fact that it was going off into the distance. Well, how does the... Okay, so atmospheric lensing. Lensing. How does that make the bottom foot, then two foot, then five foot, then 10 foot of the bottom? What it does is it creates a mirror effect. You are looking through... Again, uh, the atmosphere is turning into a lens. No different than... And we've got so, so many videos on this, especially with tables, where... If you put a magnifying glass to an object on a table and move it off into the distance, it will start chopping things from the bottom up. In fact, you're not seeing a chop, you're seeing a mirror effect. I can't begin to tell you the amount of videos we have on this. And we're, if we're gonna do that, there's a wonderful video I could show you. In fact, hang on, just because you asked. Let me see if, I don't know how I'm gonna send it to you. One second. 
one of my favorite videos recently mm -hmm. is a video of some oil rigs off of California. Where so I'm look, atmospheric lensing here says this refers to the distortion of light caused by layers of air having different temperatures. Light rays are refracted, and the various types of distortion can occur, such yep. as that you would see uh, water on the road mirage. Yep. So yeah. how, what, how, why, does, how does that how does that equate a boat disappearing from the bottom up? Because when you're looking, it's not disappearing from the bottom up. It's just mirroring it from the bottom up. And then it just disintegrates. That's all it's doing. Here, hang on. Let me send you this. So while you're looking for that, just explain to me, sorry for being dense. When you say it's yeah, mirroring, mirroring from the bottom up. Mirroring from mirroring. the bottom up. Mean when the whole, and you can see this in, in countless videos, yeah. where the hole, isn't being dis, the hole isn't being chopped from the bottom. It's being mirrored. Meaning it is the, the same effect when you're looking at a road, when you're looking at a hot road and a, per a perfectly flat road and a guy's or a car or a bike is going off into the distance, they're getting chopped, supposedly. But it's not being chopped because of the curvature of the earth, it's being chopped because of the atmospheric lensing or refraction or fatum organa or whatever you want to call it. Hang on, how, can, I post, can I send this to you in an email, you'll get it? You might be able to share your screen if you want to give it a crack. I'm uh, not probably better if you do it. I don't want to risk screwing this thing up. The other thing, though, is because it's got to do with the difference in heat or the difference in temperature. Which is why we get different effects all the time. What I was going to say, why, don't, why, aren't, there, um, why aren't there example examples of it not going the, over the horizon, the appearance of going over the horizon in, for example, different climates? Like, no matter where you take images of boats in the world i've never seen one just continue on continue on continue on continue on from all over the world different temperatures different you know uh, differences between the air temperature and the water temperature they always appear to disappear from the bottom up now i'm not saying you you're gonna say it's not I, you can say it's bottom up all you want i will never ever agree it is atmospheric lensing and we've got tons and tons of it okay check it check out this by the way yeah check out this video that i just sent you this is one of my favorite ones, and I added it to my top 20 recently, and this usually is a dagger in most people's visual effects. Uh, this is where parts. I'm a little bit scared that we're going we're gonna to be dumped. Um, okay. by you, not by YouTube, sorry, but by Zoom. I'm trying to do seven things at once here. Hopefully okay. I can figure So what you're, what you're looking at in this are two oil hang rigs. On, hang on, let's, um, okay. let's actually share the screen and show other people, then you can speak to it. Okay. So for people who are on the audio, you'll just have to uh, listen out for Mark's commentary. So if I share the screen... Oh, yeah, turn off the audio, unless you want to play it. I mean, if you want to play the... Can you play the audio? No, I won't do that. Uh, you can. Uh, it's only four minutes long. So what are we doing? Show me, tell me. Okay, so this is off of uh, California, California Beach. Yep. Uh, cameras being... I didn't do this. This is one of our guys down there. So he's very close to the water. Right about there, he shows you exactly where it is, and he maps two oil rigs off in the distance. One right. at so he is. That looks like a footpath, or some kind of. Um, I think it's a. I think it's a railing. A viewing platform above the beach. Yes. Okay. Not very high. It's right above the beach. How high? Uh, he'll show you. Here in a Isn't second. that important? It, no, no, no. It is important. But he'll he he shows you the exact. He'll show you. He'll he'll break it all down for you. But the the short version is this. Here's platform C and platform habitat at six miles and nine miles or seven miles and 10 miles doesn't really matter. That's not really the point. The point is when you start looking at this, he's going to zoom in here in a second, real time. And it, here's his height. So I, I height is about eight feet. Mm -hmm. 
2017. He tries to detail it out as best as possible. And there's the one oil rig and then the second oil rig. Platform C is at 6.08. We'll just go along with this. And platform habitat is at 10.1, right? Mm -hmm. The point, and, and you, we're not even going to talk about any blurring effect. This was wonderful conditions, right? While you're looking off the distance, very little refraction, very little atmospheric lensing. Point is, and we even missed this for a while. Well, you know, I didn't even post this until 2020, which is what do you see off in the distance? You see the horizon. The horizon line is behind those two oil rigs, respectively. And this is video, this is not still shots. The horizon line is behind. There is no atmospheric effect that can pull the horizon behind those objects. The horizon has to be in front of them. Are and they, that's the. Are these rigs the same height? Doesn't matter. Well, it does. Because it, no, 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 it does not. It makes no difference. Who, who cares what the heights of the rigs are? Because I'll tell you why I asked that question. Why? This uh, rig in the forefront is double the distance out of the water that the rig in the background. If these two rigs were the same height, surely they should be out of the water the same level. So you can see um, what I'm saying. So there's the legs. That there looks appear to be double the height. No, it's only because it's, only it's closer. One, again, the, the closer objects are going to be taller, like trees going off the distance. No, no, but I'm not talking poles. about taller. I'm not talking about the perspective going down. I'm talking about literally the, the amount I, of legs. I, I can't tell you the exact construction of the two rigs, but it's irrelevant for this video. Absolutely irrelevant. What's important is the horizon line is clearly, yeah. clearly behind them. And behind not just one, but both of them. And, and they're lit. And it's first show? thing in the morning. What does that show? Well, I mean, because this is where I'm not knowledgeable in this area. What does that oh, show? Oh, no, 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 no. It, 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 because every argument we've had in the, um, or debate or whatever in the, in the flat earth world is, you know, that's what, there's only two things you can even use if you're not in space using some sort of space shot yeah. that says that, you know, two, two, two tests you can do. One is boats going over the horizon and the other is sticks and shadows. That's it. These are the only two things you can do on the ground to, to, to show any sort of curvature of when you're down here. And this shows that, again, what they would expect, which is why they're having such a hard time with it, is yeah. the horizon line should be in front of these things. It should, ne at the very least, it should be chopping off the, the one at nine miles or 10 miles. But right. no, the horizon line is behind both of them. No well, one will touch it with a 10-foot pole. Well, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I don't, no, no, it's all right. I, I don't actually know the, 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 the area. But one of the things I'd also like to know is how high was the person shooting from? There doesn't seem to Eight be... Feet. Eight feet above what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he broke down. I mean, you can watch the video again whenever you oh. want. But he broke down the exact because that, that was always the argument that was thrown at us, which is, oh, well, how high was the person that was shooting? So whenever we go out, we always measure exactly how high we are with the beach, especially when we set up Google Maps. When do, where do you guys consider sea level to be? Because sea level, there's a low, low tide mark and a high tide mark. Where do you consider sea level to be taken from? So that a trick question no 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 no. because there is common practice for example if you're eight meters if you're eight feet above the high tide mark that's not eight feet above sea. oh 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 no no this particular beach had uh, almost no tide variance this wasn't like a like a beach in turkey where you know it was was massive massive variance very very little so i mean but again even i'm not going to say you're nitpicking but it's <laughs> it's irrelevant to this particular video because again the, the whole point here is the horizon line cannot be behind those objects. I don't care what height the, the things are. I don't even care the distance there are. 
the argument has always been, well, the, the boats are obviously being cut off at the bottom. They're going with the rise. And I said, okay, okay, then tell me why these oil rigs, in which I love the oil rigs more than anything because they're not moving. The boats, sure. they're always moving and doing stuff. You can't get them in the same place twice. These oil rigs are exactly in these spots. You can show them up on Google Earth and they're always there. And it's like, okay, why is that horizon line there? Why is it behind them? Sorry to nitpick. <laughs> no, it's all right. No, no, no. Nit nitpicking's okay, but, but it doesn't make but it doesn't make any difference for this video. Well, but when you say I don't care about the height, I not guess, for this video, I don't. I guess what I say is I do, and the reason I care about it is, and I'm going to give you a silly example. Mm -hmm. If he was on a uh, on a hill that was 300 meters high, yeah, that would matter. Not. I, I know, I know, but if oh, it was, okay. that would matter. If he was on a hill 200 meters high, that would matter. All right, what, fine. What, so what, I, hang on, hang on. Let me ask this thing because I, yeah. I want to know. So that means at some point coming down that hill, it's going yeah. to stop mattering. So that's why I would like to know. what. The uh, all right, all right, all right. I misspoke. What I mean is for this particular video, slight variances mm -hmm. don't impact the results in any meaningful way. So whether it's eight feet or nine feet, or whether the, the things are at seven miles and 10 miles or five miles and eight miles, doesn't really matter. What matters is, is that horizon should not be there, should not be behind there. And again, no you know, scientists usually will, or scientific people will usually avoid this one. They'll go, well, in fact, we've had people accuse us of saying, um, you know, because we saw, well, what first thing we'll do is we'll show them a still shot of it. I'll say, oh, you photoshopped it. Yeah, and see what see where we're going with this, and it's like it's like no, it's not photoshopped. It's an actual video, and here's the video, and then they're like, "Well, you did something to it." I was like, "Okay," which uh, is the art, which is what we get a lot. This is this is probably a time to ask you a question that I asked my other lovely flat earther I had on at this you know a couple of years ago. Yeah, if you and I were here in Dunedin and we did that experiment with a helicopter, yeah, across a bay that's about 20, 20 kilometers just north of Dunedin. Yeah. And the helicopter went below the waterline. Right. Would that be enough evidence for you that the Earth is not flat? Maybe. If we if we if we had the raw video, sure, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm I, I don't know, but but I don't know if I don't know if you could pull that off. Well, no, no, I guess what I'm asking is, would that be enough proof? To smash. Uh, no. Okay. It would it would it be enough proof to stop me? No, because again, there's too many factors when it comes to um, long distance, uh, uh, long distance photography or long distance video. The and I'm not dodging the question, or I'm not trying to cop out here. What I'm just, and you, if you've heard my stuff, there's only two things that I use uh, when people say, um, you know, what would it do, take to prove to you that, you know, the Earth is a globe? And I say, well, there's two things. One would be, you know, put a 4K camera on any rocket, a SpaceX, I'm looking at you, <laughs> and have it launch off into the distance and make sure, you know, it's pointed down at the ground and make sure, you know, the Earth, you know, the, the launch pad goes away and then it turns into a globe. Don't hit edit or pause for any reason whatsoever and let it go off into space and show me the, the, the footage. Show us, show us that footage. It's never happened in the history of space travel, which is stunning to me. Um, the other thing, of course, you've, you've probably heard me say it, is the, um, the spacesuit challenge, which is because it's down on the ground. You could do it cheap. Give me any NASA spacesuit. Not give it to me. Loan it to me. I, don't, I know they're expensive. Put me in a vacuum chamber and tell me how I'm not going to die. Tell me, tell me how it works. I've heard this challenge before, and then I've seen it be done. By who? NASA? 
I, I can't answer that question because I'm not prepared for that. I, I, but I have seen this big question be asked before and then been done. But look, let's move on to the next thing. Mm. The flat earth map. Can you see my screen? It's a lovely picture of you from. Uh, uh, yeah, you'd have to, I think, zoom in on that one. But that's okay. You can, I, I know which shot you're looking at. So go ahead. Okay. But you can see this is a picture for people who are who are joining us of, uh, I think it's a screen grab actually from the documentary of you. It is. Holding the, it is. is this pretty much the, the, the plan you, the, the, the map? It's the best thing we got right now. It's, I mean, there's some people that have done tweaks to it, but no one's come up with a replacement for it at the moment. Um, it's also known as the um, azimuthal equidistant map and also the UN flag. So I have questions, and, and actually it kind of references back to our direct flights. Here's us, lovely New Zealand down the bottom here. Yep, yep. Uh, we can fly from New Zealand to Los Angeles, which is about here. Yep. Takes 12 and a quarter hours, direct flight. Yep. We can fly here from New Zealand to Santiago, which is about here. Yep. Takes 12 and a half hours. Mm -hmm. um, the distance from between these two, the difference is a difference of about 500 miles. Yeah. I'm wondering why it takes only an extra 15 minutes to go about a third as far again based on this map oh no that is one of the one of the weird questions which is well first off we know there's some perspective issues wrong with this map right could it be a super fast jet stream i don't know this is not but, scale you would say I, yeah can't be to scale because we can't we can't prove it out um, which is why I did, which is why I love uh, the, um, the clue that I did, clue nine, because people were asking me that very question five years ago, which was, um, uh, and, I, and I started looking at the, the, the routes and I said, fine, prove me the route. And they said, well, it just goes from here to here. And I go, fine, show me the latitude and longitude coordinates for the entire trip, because that's when it drops off. That's when it doesn't make sense. The U.S. military system with known as GPS, Global Positioning System, which I think is just an expanded version of Loran, which is an old ground-based radar system. When a plane gets offshore and it's not close to any other islands, for whatever reason, it drops off of latitude and longitude. Oh, the thing's still there on the screen, no question. You'll see the little dot moving across, but there is no latitude and longitude. It says approximated or estimated. Same thing happens when you fly from like, even locally here, like fly from Seattle to Hawaii, because there's no islands between here and Hawaii. Uh, once you get 150 miles offshore, maybe 200, which is land-based radar range, it drops off. How, why, why is that? I mean, it's, it's a 32-satellite, multi-overlapping blanket system, military grade. Why, why does that happen? That's what Clue 9 was, was based off of. Also, they didn't touch on in the... Um, can, I, can I just say as well, and I was going to say this right at the start of the podcast, yeah. you know, science often says, I don't know. I don't know is a valid answer. And what you've just said is basically, why is that flight um, so close in time, but so vast and distant? You don't, you don't have an answer. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, some guesses I get. And, and you're absolutely right. Science, science, isn't, well, science doesn't say it as much as they should. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they, they are notorious. Why I didn't, you know, in the clues, I talked about the core of the earth. Again, it's, it's stuff you can test yourself versus stuff you'd have to take their word for it. If you want to tell me the boiling temperature of water at sea level, fine. I can test that right now with a flame and a pot and some water. Want to tell me what the core of the earth looks like? How, how'd you do that exactly? I mean, you've got cross sections of the earth showing exactly what these bands are. And the small print somewhere in Wikipedia says, we have no idea what's down there. But that's not what you see in the textbooks. No, well, they, they use the theories, don't they? There's a, there's a theory of no one's been there, but... Well, I mean, I the mean, deepest I, hole I ever know. drilled is 12 kilometers. Yeah, I know Come how on. they... I mean, you know how they make the theory, though. That's basically... One of the ways they make the theory of the denseness of the center of the earth is based on um, vibrations of earthquakes. 
and the shadow that they emit going from one side of the planet to the other. Now that's their example. I see. Again, but, I see your assuming, face. <laughs> yeah, assuming it's a globe, you yeah. know. And by the way, and, and but come on, they don't stop there. We I've seen cross sections of Saturn. Yeah. How are you showing me a cross section of Saturn? Uh, how is how is that even remotely possible? Let's Sorry, keep, I, I, go, go ahead. That's no, fine because one of the things I'm really interested in is the sun and the moon and how it is within. Um, I guess what you guys say is a closed system. Yeah. Um, I've got some questions here about the dome and about that kind of thing, but you. long story short, um, yeah. the Earth is on some kind of flat plane, and there's a representation of it here on the screen, with right. some kind of dome over it. Right. What I want to know, first of all, this is, I've got up on a map, and again, this is, I've, I've borrowed this from someone else, and they've said I could use it. Okay. What you show in here is the center circle, the sort of the path of the, of the uh, sun, Okay. During the northern hemisphere summer, and then yeah. out on the outside of the green is the path of the sun on the southern hemisphere summer. Right. That, you know, and obviously it's obviously got some kind of spiral effect where it goes out further and further and further, and then comes back in again. Is yeah. that basically what you would accept as the likely scenario? Yeah, unfortunately, and and I'm glad you brought it up because most people don't. It really surprised me because I, every once in a while, like one out of 20 people ask me, they'll say, what's the weakest part, in your opinion, of, of the flat Earth? And I go, it's the Antarctic sun. I go, the Antarctic sun cannot cannot exist the way in any sort of conventional means because the Arctic sun, you know, that's easy. You know, you just close circle around the uh, around the center. But the Antarctic sun, you can't get 24 hours of sunlight uh, with with just one light source. So that's, one, that's one of my that's one of my questions. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's something else going on out there that we don't know. And but the first uh, one is going to be what's the um, what's the f reason? What's the force? What's the explanation for why the sun would change its path at all at all? Yeah, like what, what causes the sun to change its path to be obviously in a very tight circle in the middle, which would be your northern hemisphere summer, to a right. very, very wide um, spiral. Of, uh, the, the mechanical means of yeah, doing what, such what a thing? Is, what's your explanation for how it does that? Because the, the globe people have an explanation for that. You, well, of course, you obviously of course. disagree with that. So what's your explanation for it? Uh, well, you're old enough to remember, hopefully you're old enough to remember vinyl, uh, a needle on a record player. And that is, you know, the needle as the song progresses goes in. And if you reversed it, if you had reverse on one of those old turntables, uh, you could make it go out. Not uh, a particularly scientific response, was it? <laughs> no, no, but I, mean, I mean, but people get it. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, I've used that, that analogy tons of times. Uh, remember, I'm supposed to you know, be talking. The, the reason why this, this stuff is, has done as well as it has is because we have figured out a way to explain the world that's easier than the solar system model and and you and i know you're going to come back and say well that's just because it's easier doesn't mean it's right i so i said no okay oh, hey, let, let me ask you this specific question because i find this to be incredibly difficult this one part of it sure if this let, let's just say the inner inner let's just say that the sun is right on this inner red ring at this yeah. time of year, whatever time of year that is yeah one full rotation of this would be one day yeah right and let's right. say in winter time you're right. It ha I, I know where you're going. It'd have to speed up or slow down. Yeah. How, why? Yeah. So that means that the sun is traveling more quickly in the southern hemisphere summer than it is in the northern hemisphere summer because it's got a much bigger uh, circumference to go around. Yet we don't observe that in the sky. We don't observe the sun traveling any more quickly. People who've lived in the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere, they don't go, oh, crap, oh, crap that's going a lot more. So like, or in the winter, we don't observe the sun traveling across our sky far, far, far slower 
But, we may see it for shorter time periods, but it still travels at the same speed than it is in the summertime. What, what, how do you explain oh, that? Oh, don't. I have no idea. I mean, there, there is a speed issue as well. And by the way, thank you for using uh, Rob Skiba's model. I, I know this one. Uh, the animation is fun on it. Uh, yeah, and I, you, he, he's a debunker. But, but, but there's actually very few things out there that would allow me to ask the question. So I'm not using this because I'm supporting what he's saying. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I know. I know I, he, people steal from his stuff all the time because he, he loves making graphics. I didn't actually steal. I actually contacted him after and he said, go for you it. Know, you didn't have to, by the way. I'm a polite. You, 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 have to, you don't have to ask any of our guys. You can, you can, most, most of the people don't even uh, throw copyright strikes, as far as I know. I've never even seen a flat earth copyright strike anybody. So when I say to you that these are the questions I need answered for me to be able to come on board, yep. the, the sun would have to, I don't know what it would be, whether it would be double or triple in speed based on the circumference. Yeah, maybe. You're saying you can't answer that question. Can't answer that question. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of engineering issues that we've only been doing this five years that we don't have the answers for we don't uh we're we're still trying to figure it out and I, i'm not ashamed of saying that so then you've already you've already uh, given the um the big problem of antarctica so yeah. this is so basically there's numerous problems so this would be uh if we say the sun is uh here which yeah. is the the southern hemisphere uh summer for people who are listening on the audio i apologize about this but head, yeah. to, the, uh, head to youtube or head to facebook to have a look we're talking about yep. now in this situation the person here was talking about the bottom of uh south america we don't have to do that because i live up here in the bottom of new zealand the bottom yeah. of new zealand here is actually a straight line on this map to alaska bottom of new zealand where i live um the sun goes down at 10 p.m it's still light sometimes at 11 p.m in the longest day yet mm -hmm. direct line of sight according to this map to Alaska, it's yeah. dark 24 hours a day. That yeah. doesn't seem to be able to work unless, for example, oh gosh, now what am I going to do here? Go backwards, yeah, backwards. The sun was to do this. And that doesn't seem to make any sense whatsoever as to how light performs. Because mm -hmm. that would allow Alaska to stay darkness and me here in New Zealand to have summer sun. Good point. How does that work? No idea. None. I, I, I mean, seriously, I don't, for me, it doesn't bother me that much though, because I still believe in some aspects that the sun may be instanced. Uh, we may be looking at something digital. I think that the sun, I, there, we could be looking at something that where it's instanced geographically. So a literal uh, stage sound, sound stage, sound stage. That's got. Oh yeah. 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 Very possible. Very possible. I'm, I'm not going to dismiss that at all. I mean, come on. I came from a programming background and mm -hmm. you know, from a software background. I'm not going to ignore that. I mean, the matrix isn't one of my favorite movies of all time, <laughs> and but, I, but I know what we are trying to do. And I know what we do in our simulations when we build them. So. And the follow up on the thing you were talking about with Antarctica. Yeah. If we're, you would concede because you've kind of already said it. So this is Antarctica would be what we call Antarctica. The flat earthers call the ice wall around the outside of the planet for at least two months of the year. Antarctica yeah. is in 24 hour sunlight. Now that's right. indisputable because it's not a NASA secret. Tens of thousands of people go to Antarctica every year as tourists. They've seen yeah. it. Yeah. I know people who have worked at Scott base. They've seen it. It's indisputable. that Antarctica mm -hmm. has 24 hours sun well light sure. uh, uh for uh, for months of the time if antarctica is the ice wall around the outside edge here right and it's in 24 hours of sunlight then mm -hmm. by definition with a sun the whole globe has to be in 24 hours sunlight 
Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch. But I mean, you could you could do it. You could do it with multiple. You could do it with multiple light sources. You don't need to have. But but that's but that's a good point you brought up, which was doesn't the globe have the entire world have to be in twenty four hours sunlight? Um, one of the drawbacks of drawing our models, unfortunately, um, when you see the sun and the moon uh, above it, is yep. we in order to even make them visible, we have to draw them so huge that the, it's not to scale at all. Uh, so like, you know, you'd have to draw the sun and the moon, you know, if they're both the same size approximately, you just someone along the lines of a thousand miles wide, where in our models, they're like 50 miles wide, which would be in some cases smaller than a pixel. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't even see them on the map. So yeah, Antarctica, look, don't know what's happening out there, but I don't worry about it too much because the Antarctic tree's got it locked down. And nobody can set up shop there. Except for military and military scientists and a few tourists from time you, to time. You acknowledge it. Okay. So oh, the, yeah, but I acknowledge it. Sure. That's a, that, that's a, because you, I hear you talking about multiple light sources. You're the first person that I've heard talk about this. And I'm in the rabbit hole. So, therefore, what I'm hearing again is the, the um, outcome doesn't match the formula. So, we're going to change the formula. The outcome shows the model of a sun and a moon inside the firmament, the dome. <laughs> And if that is the case, which seems to be the flat earth model, right. then what I've just said is true. One source has to light all of the Antarctica, which in turn... Or, or there's multiple light sources, yes. So that's the other option, which is now what it feels like rather than going, now my outcome doesn't match my supposition. So I need oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I try to be as, again, from a design standpoint, I try to be as realistic as possible or as practical as possible. Yeah. Sort of like when, when people come at me and they say, is the moon controlling the tides? And I say, well, if you're designing it that way, no, you'd use the physics engine to control the tides and the moon would just be, again, a, a designator of what's happening when the tides are, are doing it. If you're making one correlation to the other, that's fine. You know, when a clock strikes 12, the, 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 you know, it goes off 12 times. So. Um, so let's talk about the firmament now. So to explain that to people, I'll use my knowledge of what your beliefs are and you can tell me if I'm wrong. We've, we've been showing that disk for the flat earth there is some kind of dome that goes over it. It's yeah. mostly projected as a dome, but some kind of covering, basically. I mean, like a snow globe. It's a snow globe with yeah, a yeah. kind of, as, as an example of what people think. Yeah. Um, I want to know what evidence you have for the dome. It seems to be one of those things that no one's seen, no one's touched, no one's felt, uh, no one's visited. Hmm. What actual evidence that I can, you, you know, Flatus to talk about repeatable experiments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What actual evidence is there for a dome? Evidence of the dome itself. All right. Uh, I'll give you one. Air pressure. Mm. Air pressure can't exist without some sort of enclosure. In fact, it's a law of thermal dynamics. You can't have pressure next to non-pressure without some sort of barrier. Uh, so if you have, you know, we all have air pressure down here and it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Eventually, it either has to all be ripped off into space or it has to run into some sort of barrier. There you go. How's that for the dome? But you know the, you know the argument against it. I'm not saying you agree with that, but you know the argument against that, though, don't you? No, I don't. I, I, I mean, I would have thought that you would have, you know, people would have what, said. You mean gravity? No, 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 no. No, that, that as much like as at sea level uh, pressure gets denser, the deeper you go, at Earth going up, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter until basically the... The, the vacuum, as they say, of space. Right, right, right. Yes, I have, I have heard this. But again, that goes against the law of thermal dynamics, which says that pressure versus non-pressure. We're not talking about total pressure versus no pressure. We're talking any pressure. 
versus no pressure. You blow up even two breaths into a balloon and let go of it, it's going to fly off into your hand, you know, off into the other part of the room. Yeah. Or if you release uh, any, a helium balloon in your hand, it goes up. Why does it go up? Well, it could be because of density or gravity. It doesn't really matter. But it's going up, it's going up, going up. Eventually it bursts and those helium molecules or hydrogen, whatever, where do they go? Did they just get to a certain point at 500 miles and stop? Because again, doesn't the whole term greenhouse gases make more sense if it's an actual greenhouse instead of some perceived virtual greenhouse? I just, on this, I'm just thinking about this for the first time. And look, I'm the wrong person to have a debate with about the second law of thermodynamics. You need to get someone like Conspiracy Cats or Simon Dan to have a debate with you. I'm, well, I'm, no, 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 you don't. No, you, you, know no, you don't. I mean, no, you're, you're fine. Just, There's, that's my question, right? Okay. You've just mentioned a helium balloon. Yeah. Eventually that helium balloon will stop at a certain height, like a weather balloon will stop at a certain height. Like when the pressure on the outside matches the pressure on the inside, that helium balloon just won't keep going and going and going to touch the firmament. It will stop at a certain height. Why does it stop? No, it doesn't stop. It's going to blow up. It's going to burst. So Eventually. It, like, no, no different than a, than a weather balloon. Weather balloons can only get so high, usually unless you're monitoring really, really closely, about 130,000 feet. And then, I mean, th which is why they have so much slack when you, when you yeah, yeah. let them go. And then they get super, super tight, and then they finally blow. Why do they the blow? Why do they burst? Because of the pressure difference. Because the air inside it, no different than a vacuum chamber. I mean, it gets, it's not a perfect vacuum chamber, but then you're talking exponential when you get up there. But there's so, the, the pressure difference, everything in there wants to get out because they're so, it's so thin, the molecules around, it tries to get out so, so badly. You know, I know I'm using emotions in this and I know you shouldn't in science, but it wants to get out so badly that it finally bursts. I mean, every, uh, you know, you don't have to use our stuff. Type in anything in a, just type into YouTube, anything in a vacuum chamber, can of soda pop, football, basketball, He-Man, Stretch Armstrong, anything that has any pressure in it whatsoever eventually just expands, expands, and then just detonates, which is why I got so ticked off when uh, somebody sent me the original video clip to the Tesla Roadster in space. Mm. I was just like, what are you talking about? That car had so many pressurized systems, it should have just exploded into so many different pieces, and it didn't, but that's a whole other um just so you know stretch armstrong very american reference but i know what you're talking about <laughs> you know what i'm talking about i mean any toy that has any sort of pressurized gas in it at all uh it will expand which goes into the spacesuit thing which is why you know why does why does everything that has any air in it expand and then finally burst except for a spacesuit why and then people say oh it's layers i go no my winter coat has layers that stops cold it's not anything, any sort of layers will compress immediately. Pressure versus non-pressure. Look up, um, there's a fun right, video. Right, I, just, I just, I just, something you said, I just, so you would expect an, uh, uh, an astronaut spacesuit to explode. Oh yeah, it should absolutely go tight as a freaking drum. It should but turn into a pressure, parade float. Isn't the pressure on the inside of the uh, spacecraft similar to the pressure on the outside of the spacecraft? So there's not changing psi when they go from inside to outside isn't that the, the difference the reason the balloon explodes is because the pressure's difference between the inside and the outside isn't it the same are we talking when they're inside the the spacecraft or outside the spacecraft yeah when they're inside the spacecraft oh well, in space, well who knows what they're doing inside the spacecraft no, but i'm saying the pressure the air pressure the psi on that on that person isn't that the same as when they're outside the spacecraft so there's no change in look i i don't understand all this stuff. no 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 that's okay so it's logical so, to me that the that the pressure on that person the physical psi yeah. on the person is the same inside the spacecraft as outside the spacecraft there's no change in pressure so why should a spacesuit explode no okay 
Let me see how I can explain this. Um, type <laughs> in absolute idiot to a moron. No, 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 not at all. It, no, and get look. The most people and I didn't either. I mean, I when we were growing up in America, we we don't we're not telling anything about physics or engineering or chemistry or any of this crap. Which is why they got away with it with the with the Apollo land. It was like every every spacesuit they tested in the um, the early '60s were rigid metal suits. Plast, heavy plastic suits and they were boxy and they couldn't move around and somebody came up with a great idea it's like let's just use a soft suit we'll just shoot it no one will know nobody knows anything about physics we can shoot a soft suit so explain and, to me the physics of the psi inside the aircraft uh, okay okay so yeah, what for for anyone that's listening what we're talking about is so if we're we're living we're breathing in air pressure which means you know it's 80 percent oxygen and 20 percent i'm sorry 80 percent nitrogen and 20 percent oxygen but there's a lot of it there's pressure the problem with the problem with explaining it to, to people especially on the radio is that the, there's some things that are invisible to us so the difference between your room and a vacuum version of your room is nothing in terms of visually you it will literally look no different in fact when you you know you make a vacuum chamber and you, you make it inside it's like i don't see anything different the difference is there's literally nothing in there no molecules whatsoever um, just treat it no different than water. That's why I tell people it's like, it's like an invisible form of water is what we're talking about here. And outside of, we'll just use the ISS, the International Space Station. There is nothing. There is no water. There is no, there's no molecules at all. So the pressure, the difference, thermodynamics is the pressure wants to equalize, wants to equalize. And the stronger the difference between what's inside and what's outside, in this case, we'll say it's 20 versus zero will absolutely create huge amounts of stress on, uh, stress on that container. Um, you can see a wonderful video on it. Um, if you type in uh, vacuum versus steel rail car, the Germans are perfect. They love doing this. I don't know why. Let me, just, let me just pause you because I'm sort of with you on this. But you're talking about a vacuum at sea level where if you punch a hole in it, all the air rushes in. Right. right? That's, not how va- that's not how the theory of a vacuum of space works. The vacuum of space is not constantly sucking like a vacuum on the like on. I I I know I know. It, you, see, you're not you're not dumb. <laughs> I, I, I I ingest a lot. It's not my theory. Okay, no 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 no. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. That people don't like it when I use the sucking term. Meaning, what I'm saying is there are no mole. If you believe in the mainstream definition of space, there's no molecules in space. But there are tons of molecules in everything that we live in including the inside of a spacesuit, the inside of a spacecraft and the moon module and all this other stuff that is trying to equalize. And the pressure difference is massive, absolutely massive. The reverse version of that would be, and I know you're probably saying, well, it can't be the same. It can be in this case. And that is think of submarines. Submarines are super, super, super thick steel because there's massive amounts of pressure on the outside trying to get in to the low pressure. Yeah. That's the opposite version of it. The ISS would be the flip side of that. No, Very... I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the... Oh, that, that, that might be how you're explaining it, but I don't think that's the theory, which is why, and I know you're going to roll your eyes and laugh at this, when there was a hole in the ISS not too long ago... They oh, could... and they plugged it with their finger. Because the, the, that's the, the, point, the whole point I'm making is the pressure inside the ISS is the pressure same as the pressure outside the ISS and what you're saying is it's not that's the difference your, your listeners will come back at you at that one just so you know okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will it's absolutely not but that's but that's fine that's why i kind of wrote really dumb dumb man that's question. okay let, let whoever's listening let him off the hook on that one he, he didn't know he didn't know uh no 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 it's there's, there's look there's the reason why we have like um uh when you have airlocks uh, there's horrible accidents that have happened over the years, especially like even in oil rig, oil rigs, where just just slight different, well, not even slight. I mean, differences between pressure, not vacuum versus non-vacuum, 
but where doors have been opened by mistake, you know, automatically and people have died. What people don't get is it's not like the movies. And that is, it's, it's, it's instant. In fact, oh, I really should show it to you. Um, well, you know what? Look, I'm I, sorry, we'll, we'll do it another time. We'll Louis, another I just, I, I'm aware that we've been going for a, a good hour and a half and there are actually some stuff that I want to finish up with as well. Okay, we want to finish I want up. To hold you all day. And, okay. and, and just so people know before they, all your friends challenge me with uh, editing for some reason, the reason we're not live streaming this, we are premiering it, is that my OBS, my live streaming software conflicted with the screen sharing. So I'm, we're recording this into Zoom and then I'm going to upload it. But everything that we say and have said is all going to be, it's going to be as live. Nothing's going to be edited down. Just in case people were wondering why. Okay. Um, asking about the Dome, um, yes. what, what about meteorites? I mean, I know people who have got meteorites, who have seen meteorites land in their property. That is they that come, they come literally, that was, yeah, the meteorites. That was literally the first question I ever got, Whoa. ever got from my clues. Uh, it was an email. They said, what about meteorites? Yeah. Uh, it's just part of the mechanical system. Whoever runs this place fires in meteorites, uses some sort of railgun technology, metal ore, trying to not to aim at cities. If you can help it, try not to make them too big. Interesting, by the way, we don't get any decent shots in, in the water or we have any decent footage. There's 6 billion smartphones. No one's showing any, any um, impacts while they're happening, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so no, it's just part of the mechanical system. So they, the creator... The, yeah, whoever's running this place, they're firing them in for fun. Is purposefully shooting rocks. So that would imply... Throw, to me, throwing water into an aquarium. How's that? Yeah, sure. Throwing that, rocks into an aquarium. That would imply to me that this creator, this uh, whatever, the, the beings who are, are still active here, and yeah. they basically want us to think it's a globe. Because why would they do stuff like that, which leads most people to thinking this is a globe? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You do want to, you do want to, to make this thing seem like a globe. You absolutely do. So if there is a creator, yeah, or a, or a Santa Claus, as you said, with gifts, yeah, who wants <laughs> us to know we're special and not yeah. just um, uh, life without meaning, I think is what we talked about before. Right. Um, why would they keep that a secret? Why would they want to not know that we were special and we had this? That, that, that this whatever, this entity had gifted us this right. meaning, why would they try and... So you're basically saying they're a part of the conspiracy because they're firing meteorites around to try and trick us into thinking they're coming from space. Not a conspiracy as much as a test. Meaning, I think we were eventually going to figure this thing out. Uh, but you can't, you just can't give it to us. Meaning, uh, the easiest way to get, keep people from going to the fence, going to the wall, or looking for the edge of the earth is to tell them there is no edge. There is no, there's no, there's no possible way out. You're on a sphere. You're on, you're not going anywhere. It's like running around an ant, running around the apple. You run around the apple all day long. You're not going anywhere. Um, but eventually we were going to figure it out. It's kind of like um, hiding cigarettes from your roommate. Oh yeah, you can move it around here and there, but sooner or later you're gonna find them. Doesn't that sound really narcissistic to you though? That there's this creative whatever entity that yeah. is wanting us, wanting everyone to be tricked for some special few to figure out what it is because eventually we're going to figure it out. Surely, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent. I want yeah. to give my, my children a gift and I want them to yeah. enjoy it and I want them to understand it. I don't want to kind of put it in the ceiling that maybe three years from their birthday, they'll actually discover it and figure out it was from their dad three That's years. That's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, no, I, mean, I, I believe that some lessons have to be lived and they can't be told. And it, that's what I think it is with us. I think, I don't, I don't think this world is necessarily an entertainment system, nor do I think it's a prison planet. I see it as kind of like a school. 
Right. And we've been trying to learn things along the way. And I think this eventually will be revealed to everybody sooner or later. Uh, but with us, I... You think that's where a lot of the religious beliefs comes in? There's, as you see, the Christian world seems to be connected to this more so than any other any other belief? Yeah, yeah, they, they do. I mean, there's, there's well, I mean, heck, the, the, they were the first ones to jump straight into most of the biblical text. And, you know, Rob Skiba was one of them. And there was only one verse that even hinted even literally one verse that hinted at any sort of globe model. And yet the, there's a lot of pastors out there that are, that are holding on to it. Like it has veto power or everything else, even though Genesis, I, you know, I'm not going to quote too much chapter and verse Genesis uh, one, seven, one, eight, that, you know, uh, that create, you know, creates, create a firmament that separate the waters above and waters below, which by the way, uh, let's throw one more in out of that you, which is what is on the tombstone of Werner von Braun. No idea. It's just his, his name, year he was born, year he died, and it says, literally, Psalms 19.1. I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. But when you look it up, it says, and the firmament shows his handiwork. thought that was interesting for the father of NASA. Bible also says we shouldn't eat pork or wear mixed linens. Do we listen to that? Some do. <laughs> I, I like bacon. I'm never giving up bacon. <laughs> hey, uh, a few more things for you. Uh, how okay. far away under the model that... Uh, that you that the flat earthers believe is the sun and moon like how how what's the best guess for what it is above the above the earth uh a couple thousand i i i'll convert a couple thousand kilometers maybe I, we we don't know we, we, to, to be to be sure but it i i don't even though snow globe is an easier thing to show people i kind of treat it like a shallow sports stadium okay so you know because sports stadiums they're they're kind of they're they're squatty but they don't have a really high overarching roof because you don't need one um, and are so at, are they at the same height, the sun and the moon? Maybe I I'd like to think so. I mean, they, you know, with the, the whole eclipse thing and how they seem tend to line up. Yeah, sure. Why not? But that, that would be the problem. We wouldn't be able to have, if they were at the same height, we couldn't have an eclipse because obviously the moon needs to be lower than the sun to cast the shadow down on the earth. Yeah, don't don't know exactly what the 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 optics are doing with the sun and the moon. What about the know. lunar eclipse? That's obviously one that gets. Oh, the lunar eclipse. That's one of my things. So just um, for people, hang on a sec. Just for people who don't who don't quite understand the terminology, which yeah. lunar eclipse is where the Earth is uh, said to be between the moon and the sun. And yeah, we get the blood. The blood moon, which is one of my uh, one of my points, where I say that the eclipse shadow is too small, uh, meaning if the moon is two thousand miles wide why is the eclipse blackout zone only 70 miles wide and you know science comes back well it's this condensation like a magnifying glass only with a shadow and blah 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 it's like okay that's fine if you want to you want to go with that route then why don't we see, see the so same remember, thing remember at the start of this conversation one of the things yeah. you said was rather than saying i'm going to disprove the globe yeah that's wrong because we're going to say i'm going to prove the earth which is rather than saying it can't be that what the globe said what i want to know from you is under the flat earth model can you explain to me what the lunar eclipse is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm saying is, well, okay, first off, the lunar eclipse is artificial from, from minute one. No different than, and it's completely wrong, which doesn't make any sense. I would have thought, I don't know if they're throwing us breadcrumbs on purpose to find. Meaning, um, uh, when you go into a planetarium, how do you have waxing and waning crescents of the moon? That's because they just dim parts of the moon. That's, that's all they're doing in a planetarium. I don't think really you're so a doing lot that of this, much. A lot of this for you, it seems to come back to, there really is, I'll, I'll use the word an entity, yeah. turning knobs in control of 
this whole thing. Like you were saying, you don't know about the Antarctic 24-hour day. Maybe there's more lights, which would only obviously be relevant in the Southern Hemisphere summer, which means they would need to be turned off in the Northern, um, you know, Northern Hemisphere summer. Are you actually saying that there is, I, I don't know what word you want to put to it, but some kind of entity or group of entities physically control you said you said they fire the meteorites like they're having fun with a gun yeah Yeah, i do at at the very least somewhere turning knobs equivalent of controlling what's going on and actively manipulating in real time what's happening on earth I do. I absolutely 100% uh, think that we are living in an artificial environment. At the very least, it's mechanical in nature. I know people hate using the word because it's old timey uh, or, or, it's, or it's digital, which it's more likely. I mean, I'm, I've been the first one to say, like, look, God's a programmer. Uh, you, I can tell by some of the stuff that's happening out there. The, um, uh, the double slit experiment, a perfect example of, of programming in this case, which is why do we, when we program things, why are we seeing the same things that we're programming to save resources? Why are we seeing that in real life? Why are we seeing it in our world? Which is straight out of the 13th floor, if you remember that movie from the, the late 90s. We're seeing that. So, yes, absolutely, I'm saying that. But that actually also, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but gives you a lot of outs. Mm. Because you can go... It does. You can sure. kind of go, I don't know, that's the, the you know, the... The, what is it? The, the flying spaghetti monsters controlling that. I don't know the answer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so to yeah, speak. I, I remember, I'm old enough to remember the flying spaghetti monster. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it does give a lot of outs, but then that's what we're talking about here. I mean, it's, we're trying to decipher, or at least I'm trying to decipher something that is uh, brand new to us. Well, we've been delving into it for 20, 30 years, but for whatever reason, it hasn't really stuck. I mean, you know, the Matrix is 22 years old now. Wow. 20, 21 years old. Really? I know, it's, I, I know, I'm getting old. Yes, and are. yet it's not, they didn't really carry on. They did the Matrix and the 13th floor and a couple others, but they never really continued on with that. People, I don't think, quite got it. So maybe it's deliberate. Maybe, you know, we, we weren't supposed to pick up on the simulation thing and eventually we were just going to figure it out a different way. Answer me uh, this. It still has a bit to do with the firmament and, and the sun in yeah. general, but uh, yeah. if you can see the screen I'm sharing with you right now, people who can't see it, I'm showing a... Um, a sunrise. Of a sunrise. Sunri- yeah. Sunrise over water. Yep. Um, appearing to go why up. Is it, why is it not being a perfect circle, by the way, off in the distance? Why are those, those corners being edged the way it is? What, and what, why is it, why is it now becoming a circle? What are you implying, though? Well, what I'm saying is there's, there's atmospheric lensing going off the distance. And I've got three or four videos sitting in a playlist right now that show when you zoom in with a digital camera, if you've got the right filter on there, that sun will either pop up faster or go down, depending on if you're doing a sunrise or a sunset. So See, it's, not, it's not just boats going off in the distance. It's everything going off in the distance. The theory is, yes. correct me if I'm wrong, yes. that the sun travels away from us. Yep. It doesn't go down. And one of the reasons I've got some images here, oh, I've got to move our little picture out of the way, is often people talk about the sun over water. So there's a sun going up or down over the desert. So there's no water interaction there. Uh, There's the sun going down over a salt flat. Uh, There's the sun setting over water. So it appears to... It appear, and I'm using the word appears. Yeah, that particular shot you got over there, that beautiful fiery sunset. Uh, yeah, that it's way too perfect. Sorry. Maybe. It's, 
Maybe, but but we saw that. But I I get it. I get it. And what I was again, gonna say, what I was going to say is, I understand yeah. perspective. If I'm good at anything academically, it's maths. That's the one thing that my brain seems to operate. Now, very clearly, when something uh, uh, travels away from us, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and then disappears. What right. we just watched in the video is the same size sun, yeah. not getting smaller, and dropping away. And yes, there are videos out there of the sun getting appearing to get smaller through atmospheric uh, conditions but there's a hundred to one showing mm. not again maybe that's deliberate and and what's your point was i'm glad at least you saw some of those where yeah. the sun does does appear to get smaller the, the and i think it's part of the design of this place because remember the well, sun can I, is can i just say this appears yeah. to get smaller the only ones i've ever seen lots of cloud lots of heaviness anytime there seems to be a beautiful clear sky like the video we just watched it doesn't and it doesn't get smaller and it doesn't get smaller over the sea or the desert as i've just shown for people who are listening or uh, the salt lakes at all it appears to go down that's not perspective and that's not traveling away traveling away it would get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it got to a pinprick and it would disappear and it would do that every single day mm, uh, again sometimes, it seems to me that sometimes the flat earth is this would be i guess a criticism gently is that sometimes they'll take a picture for example of a city across um a bay is that the famous one of toronto across lake michigan or something we sure. shouldn't be able to see that Yet the day they take it, there are atmospheric conditions and every other day of the week you can't see it. It seems that sometimes there are cherry-picked examples. Like let's say the sun setting. You show me one where it's a pinprick, I'll show you 50 where it's not. Where Again, part of it could be the design, but to your point, because I've, I've seen the, the same Toronto skyline stuff, you know, shooting across, and, and, um, across Lake Michigan, been there which is, you remember, you shouldn't be able to see it at all. I mean, there's some days where you can't see it anyway for whatever, you know, severe weather conditions. Yeah. But because of the distance, you shouldn't be able to see it ever. Shouldn't be able to see it ever, which is why I, I put the challenge out to science. I say, show me a lighthouse, show me an oil rig, show me a city or whatever that you say, no matter what happens, you can never see it. And we always find that you can. Again, it's, it's our strongest point. People, but there, are, thousands... but there, there are atmospheric conditions. I, I, I noticed this clip the other day, and it's not to do with flat earth. Um, yeah. Somewhere off the coast of New Zealand, just in the last few weeks, there was uh, a picture of a boat offshore, and it was appearing to be flying. It looked like it was, you know, be yeah. because of the atmospheric conditions. Flying boat. That's I, absolutely real. I accept that there are atmospheric conditions. But okay. when, for example, the Toronto landscape can be seen, the day before the news tends to announce tomorrow these atmospheric conditions are coming in you will be able to see across the lake the thing you normally can't see the sure. other six days of the week you can't see it so actually i think that that works against the flat earth idea because the one day it can be seen i'll say science just mm. for, to be respectful to you science yeah. will tell you it can be seen yeah. because they broadcast it the day before anyone can look this up on you know on youtube clips sure. of that Yet every other day of the week, when science says it can't be seen, it, it's not seen. But it can be seen sometimes. And uh, I'll throw one more out at you, which sure, is sure. Um, the, uh, the, one of my very first guests, and again, he called me, was the Navy missile instructor, United States Navy, Sparrow Missile System. He says, look, he goes, he, he was one of the big guys saying, look, atmospheric doesn't mean anything because we're shooting targets point to point, not bouncing off the stratosphere at 50 nautical miles, we're hitting targets. We have to laze the targets with these special two degree beam radar things. And he goes, we do this. And he goes, he goes, it never even occurred to me that we shouldn't even be able to see these ships at that distance. 
and we can't, and we can do it at night infrared. So he goes, so how, what, he goes, what atmospheric condition is allowing us to hit those ships and see the, and target those ships when they should be on the other side of the curve? So what seems very clear now, just with this last five minutes of conversation, yeah. is that people who don't believe in a flat earth yeah. will say, well, of course you can see Toronto on some days, but you can't see it on the other days. And people who believe a flat earth will go, yeah, I know you can't see it on some days, but why can you see it on some on a few days? Yes. So you're both basically putting forward as evidence. It's a push. But basically. I'll still come back to this idea like about the, the sun. And this is just my perspective is that it seems to me that most of the times these examples come up, whether it's the Lake Michigan one or whether it's the sun, yeah. I, I can easily find a hundred examples against the one flat earth example, a hundred examples of a full sun versus the one example of the pinprick, hundred examples of photos across, across that's the because you can't see again, it. people, we've only been doing this for five years. So that's what you think. You think that if we, if you and me catch up in five years from now, it'll be different. Well, a lot more. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I've seen it. We, we had a massive jump between 2015 and now massive jump. Yeah. And so again, how many, come on, the sun's one of the most, well, the moon's the most photographed image, but the sun's got to be right up there once they got the filters in place. Um, here's a question I've never heard, heard asked a flat earther, and it doesn't really matter, but I'm interested. What do you think the southern lights are? The, the great northern lights and the great southern lights. What do you reckon they are? Any, any ideas? Oh, just a light show. No different Borealis. than... Yeah, just, just part of the... It's just an interesting part of the sky. It's just decoration, really. So do you think that they are actively... Like, is there an, like a light switch on-off button that some entity is putting on a show for us? Or sure. are they... Natural, a natural, uh, a natural outcome. No, I don't. I, I'll, I'll take it. What's the line for Mission Impossible? No, it's way worse than you think. I don't think anything's natural, anything at all. I think literally every part of our lives is a con, part of a controlled system. Okay, um, so the the one of the most common um, statements by flat earthers to to uh, back up the flat Earth is that yeah. a water always finds its level. Yes. I'm wondering why, forget on the other side of the world, yeah. but within the same ecosystem where I am in Dunedin, my high tide will be at a different time from 100 kilometers up the coast, um, which will be different from a high tide, the, the time high tide is going to happen, another yeah. 100 kilometers on, which will be different. Let's say uh, Sydney's on one coast, on the other coast is the west coast of, uh, let's say uh, for, for New Zealand is Taranaki. Um, they are on opposing sides of the same body of water. Right, right, Why right. are their tides different? If it was, if I was to understand this idea of the pizza, yeah. if I tip water into the pizza, it's all going to level. It's all going to be the same level. Why are tides different at different places? If water finds its level, then surely all the water on this flat plane should always be at the same level. You know, out of all the questions I've gotten, I have never gotten that one. The way it was, seriously, that was, that as the, I have never gotten that question in five years. Um, because the way you phrased it, I mean, some people have said, you know, they, they've questioned the tide system. Um, so why do we even have tides at all? For example, um, the underwater, okay. The water that's on the, whether it's a ball or a pizza, uh, the water is sloshing around mostly because of thermal issues. I mean, the underwater conveyor system, which is massive and transfers ungodly amounts of energy from, from one place to the other. Combine that with know, the molecular magnetism you know, that you want to call as gravity and just create some sloshing. 
It's, it's not, it doesn't, if it was dead still, we'd be in real trouble. Let's put it that way. You can't have a, a dead still uh, system. And does, that, still... does that really answer my question though? I mean, let's use Sydney and Taranaki because they're on a, a, a long way apart, but on opposing sides of the same body of water. Right. No, no, I know. I know you're, you're saying why, why is the water... The level, the, if the water finds its level, the yeah. water should be at the same level at Sydney as it is at uh, New Plymouth, okay. which is the city. All right. I, the, the short answer for that is that still water finds its level. If you take a bathtub and you fill it up with water and every two minutes you run your hand back and forth underneath it, that water is never going to flatten out. It's just never going to happen. So, but if you leave it for 10 minutes, hey, it's flattened out perfectly. The oceans of this world never, ever going to completely flatten out. There's too much energy transfer. There's too many things go. Hell, the wind alone. Okay. Is, let, that, that, let, no, let me ask you this then because... Yes. If I was to believe what you were saying, I yes. wouldn't be able to predict the tides in six months from now. I've got a shit. If we're just sloshing around, no, no, no. I'm, no it's, predict a, it's predictable, but, but, but I'm. But if it's just sloshing around, right. how do I know exactly when the high tide is going to be in Sydney and exactly when the high tide is going to be in uh, New Plymouth on the first of January, twenty twenty one? No, I got you. It's well, no, because it is predictable. I. But just because it's predictable doesn't mean it's, it defies a flat level water surface. It's only still water lies flat. The tides make sure that there's always something moving around you know, and some places are worse than, than most. But that's all we're really talking about here. I mean, it's, but it's very predictable, extremely predictable. I'm struggling with that one. I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I possibly, we were both aware that at the end of this, we may not change our position. <laughs> But I'm always open to an interesting conversation. That I mean, that feels like maybe you should be. A, I don't know the answer to that, rather than because that one does seem a bit flimsy of all the answers you've given so far. Respectfully, uh, that's fine. I mean, I I don't know how else I would answer it other than the you know again, still water lies level, but the oceans are in constant motion, and they are predictable. So what I'd like. What I'd like to be able to do, and this will be for next time, <laughs> okay. is uh, even though lakes don't typically have tides, they do shift slightly, inches rather than feet sort of thing. What I need to do and what I want to now do is have a look at the world's largest lake and see if the tides are different on one side to another. Oh, that'd be because good. That if, if, again, see what I keep coming back to, and I haven't asked you this bar one question, was if, if we prove that the tides are different on a still body of water... Does that dis disprove the era, uh, the the theory of a flat Earth? But you've kind of given yourself an out there by a lot of this almost being, and I and I and I know you're going to say there's lots of evidence for it, but it feels to me that a lot of this is a uh, a faith-based position for you because there's a lot of I don't know, and there's a lot of you know the the spaghetti monster in the sky flicking the switches on. None of that can be approved, so a, a lot of this needs to be. It would have seemed to me. Uh, you've got some knowledge that you've you say you've worked out, but a huge portion of it is then faith. Hmm. There is a there is a lot that's in faith, no question. Oh, by the way, I, you just made me think of this for the yeah. first time ever. Um, there might be a reason why the the lakes, because people have always told me this, like why don't lakes show tides? I mean, you know, there's some big lakes out there, hmm. um, and could it could be? Remember, if we're talking about an electrical system, electromagnetic system, remember salt water can conduct electricity, but fresh water can't. Not like that, meaning you can, you can close a circuit with salt water. Did you know you've, you've seen those tests where you, you stir the solid in, all of a sudden you can light the light bulb? Yep. That might, that might be a thing to look at, for me anyway.
Here's um, anything else? Here's one final question. <laughs> you're, you're getting us all bum if I keep you for too long. All right. Um, I contacted um, some guys as well to ask them a question. I have this app in my phone called the Sun, uh, the Sun Surveyor app, and I love it. And I've just taken a photo here. This was yeah. at the start of our conversation. Yeah. Uh, because what I can do, I don't want to mess up my camera. Can you see how there's a there's like I can. Um, so it can. Yeah. That, was, that was the position of the sun today at the time I took the photo. But what sure. I can also do with this is I can then jump it forward to any time of the year. So you'll notice that's pointing up into the corner of my room, which is yeah. a pretty hideous looking room at the moment. Um, in the middle, the first of whenever it was, I can't remember, but it was about December. They can also track. That's now pointing up at my ceiling. Because okay. it's summer here. So there's the corner of the room up at the ceiling. So they can track where the sun's going to be. Sure. Where it's going to be in the sky at any time, at any date. I thought yeah. that's really interesting. I wonder how that would work on a on a flat earth model, being able to predict where it is. So I thought, I use this for, you use this when you're going to go look at a house. Because you yeah. kind of go, in wintertime, where's the sun going to be? And it tells you if it's going to be a cold house. Well, that's a really cool app. Right. I actually contacted them. And I said, how does it work? <laughs> how does it work? Explain to me how your app works. And the answer was... You calculate, this is from them, they emailed me back. You calculate, yeah. I, said, I told them I was talking to you, I told them what it was for, and they said, you calculate things based on where they are relative to a point at the center of the Earth first. It's called geocentric coordinates. And then, based on where the observer is standing on the face of the Earth, latitude and longitude, transform them. So yeah. for this to predict where the sun is, it yeah. first assumes a globe, it then takes the measurements from the center of the globe, from where I am, and I guess triangulates where it is in a, in, a, in a date. The only way this can work, this app can work, is assuming a, uh, a globe. How would you explain that? I mean, what's the, what's the response to that, if I just leave it open? Uh, they start out with the assumption of the globe. They have to make it work. Sort of like we, we have the same sort of app. Um, it's not as fancy as yours, though. It's called the um, Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. Yeah, and it shows in real time where the sun is on our world, and it can predict where it's going to be in six months from now. Yeah, absolutely, it can. What's it called? Uh, the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. I'm going to have a look. Check it out if you get a chance. Look, genuinely, I'm. I mean, I, I'm. I'm assuming you've got this. There's. There's nothing in me that's wanting anything other than a freaking interesting conversation and then this is a freaking interesting conversation and yeah as i said i don't think either of us are necessarily going to ha have i mean like no i'm always open to being influenced you know be, or else why or else it's not a genuine conversation but yeah. i think you know i suspect neither of us have moved anywhere <laughs> let, let, let me ask you this yeah. the other thing is i'm not i'm not a scientist or a researcher or well, you talk to me about the second law or thermodynamics i don't I don't, I don't know it. Sure, sure, I'm sure, sure. Gonna, I'm not going to talk, talk all that back. So yeah. I, I can't really get into an in-depth debate other than asking, as I said to you at the start, the questions that I need answered. Yeah. And, and I guess so many of them were either I don't know, which is completely fine and valid, mm. or were the spaghetti monster in the sky is responsible for that, which I can't accept as, a, as an answer to change a position. Mm. Um, for personally, others may sure. be fine. That that's that's sort of uh, where we're left, and I think I've kind of come to okay. the questions. But I was going to say, you obviously have said already that no one's ever asked you that question about the about the water between, like the other thing would be, let's say between Tokyo and Los Angeles, same right. water, or Hawaii and Tokyo, or whatever. Right. Is there anything else from this conversation that's made you not necessarily rethink your position, but made you kind of go, maybe I do need to find out some more information about that? Or uh, that? not, not really. Only because there's only there's only so much the the common man can do. 
Meaning, uh, there was a scientist that I talked to at least a couple of years ago. Uh, his name was Brian Dunning, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I said, I go, can I go, is there any really hardcore thing that you could use on the ground to absolutely sink flat earth? Absolutely. He goes, on the ground, no. He goes, yeah, what sorry. About, you, what about the helicopter? What about the helicopter oh landing God, behind? God, so you, you can bring that thing up all no, day no, long. No, I'm, I'm not talking about the example. I'm talking about if you, next time you come. Oh, oh okay. Not the discovery example. Oh, sure. Right. But I mean. If, next but, time you come to New Zealand. Yeah. Come to Dunedin. I know someone who owns a helicopter company. Because I, I actually offered this of the last uh, flat earther I had on. And I oh. said, I'll, I'll do it. Will that change your mind? And he said, no. And I went, well, I'm not going to fucking put my time into it then. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, it might change my mind, but the footage, well, I mean, you, we'd have to, of course, get all the details for exactly how you're going to set it up. You know, where you're going to be X number of feet off the beach and what sort of camera you're using and what's the weather conditions and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, absolutely, I'd do it. Um, final question, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect with this question whatsoever, only because I've heard other people say it. I just wanted to ask you genuinely and honestly, if this is, you have got notoriety from this position, right. you have got an element of fame, you've traveled the world, you know, you're on fantastic podcasts all over the world. <laughs> you know, you get flown to like Sweden and New Zealand to do things. I just wanted to ask you once and honestly, is this honestly, honestly what you fully believe? You are accused by a few people out there of sort of the actually being not 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 even talking about within your own community, sort yeah. of doing this as a way to get notoriety and yeah. to travel the world. No. Like is this no. Is this, no, this really, is, is this really your life? Is this really what you are? This is really my life. I, and I was not kidding. Uh, the documentary didn't do it justice, meaning I, I am stubborn when it comes to stuff. And I looked at this thing back in 2014 and hated it. I absolutely hated it. I thought this is the worst thing ever. And I honestly thought, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I honestly thought that in 2015, once I put the videos out there, that some academic was going to call me up and say, okay, here's where you went wrong you can shut down your YouTube channel. It's like, great, fantastic. And they didn't. In fact, I had all these subject matter experts starting calling me engineers and pilots and air traffic controllers and, and everybody that has to do anything with transportation and military people. So they're calling me saying, you know what, this isn't crazy. And, th- you know, it just got, it just snowballed and snowballed to where, no, no, this isn't nor- notoriety. Oh my God, no. I, I mean, I've been accused of being like, you know, the greatest secret agent in the world. And I work for some government that I'm trying to, you know, run flat earth off the rails, but no, no, this is, I didn't want, I didn't want to do this. God, no. Why would anyone want to do this? Well, I would, this I, is, I would think you've got a pretty cool life now. You do. Well, come, now, now it's kind of fun, but in the beginning it was horrible. I mean, I've, I've met some great people and I've done some, I've done some cool things. No question. But the, I mean, you got to remember, I can't even go into my own comment sections in YouTube because it's just brutal. It's just, I mean, it's, it's just awful, awful, terrible in there. And uh, I mean, I don't get very many, you know, crank phone calls and, and emails. People are too lazy. Trolls don't even like to spoof emails to, to troll me. Um, but no, 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 I'm, I'm absolutely yeah. sincere about this. I wish I wasn't some days, but I'm absolutely on the level. Hey, I um, thoroughly and genuinely thank you uh, for your time. Yeah. Um, I yeah, really thank you for having me. I, I think that... Um, I don't know if I can put the flat earth enjoyment to bed now, but I think <laughs> I think we've come to the end where we, we, we will agree to disagree at this stage. Yeah. And um, yeah. Can I, can I recommend something for your, your listeners? Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a playlist on my channel. Um, I'm not even giving my channel. My channel is just my name, but you can type in flat earth mark into YouTube. You'll find me. There's a flat, there's a playlist called flat earth shortlist for new people. And almost all of it's not me. 
It's just other people like the like the oil rig thing that I sent you. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me, but that's on that list. And it's it goes into the sun and the moon and and flights and just about everything you could think of from from different people's perspectives. And uh, you know, take a look at that. And although and you would, although I assume you would disagree with the flights one now, because as we've talked about, there's plenty of flights around the southern hemisphere. Yes, there are. But again, that's why I made Flat Earth Clues number nine, The Magic Show, which is, yes, you can fly there, but you can't prove the latitude and longitude. Hey, Mark, thank you so much. I feel like like, um, we could keep going on forever. We've been going for Probably. But I have another podcast. (laughs) Who are you talking about next? Oh, no, it's mine. Oh, yours? Yeah. Do you ever want to have like a Flat Earth Denier on? (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) Hey, look, thank you for your time. It's been been lots of fun. And um, okay. I, I look, I hope if nothing else, people enjoy the conversation. I don't really, I'm not really interested in the debate per se between, sure. you know, especially, you know, the, uh, the flat earth community coming up with vinegar. I don't care, but yeah, I'm not going to engage. So no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. I mean, any, any flat earthers that are listening and they will, uh, is, is, is like, look, I'm... do you know what I'm going to do? Okay. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on my blog in the next few days. The, the questions, yeah, the questions, yeah. That I've asked you in a more truncated way. Okay. And then people can have a look. And if they want to send me answers, they can do that. I think that's a pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'm, I am not the absolute authority on all this stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I try to give people, you know, brief answers. Like, okay, this is what I think. All right. So if people are watching, my blog is patbrittenden.com. And there's a blog tab there. It's very inactive, the blog. But at some stage between now and, let's say, the end of the weekend, I've got a pretty busy week of podcasting coming up. I yeah. will... Um, I will put those questions up there in a truncated form. And if people want to send me some answers, they are more than welcome to. Okay. Thanks, Mark. You're a lovely Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Have a good one. All right, team, that's us done and dusted for another one. That was the Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking with uh, the world's foremost highest profile flat earther, Mark Sargent. Uh, now, whenever you hear this podcast, um, I will have uploaded those questions to my blog. So if you want to check that out, patbrittenden.com, probably forward slash blog, but there's a link on the top of the page of the blog anyway. Um, if you're a flat earther, if you're someone who wants to check it out for yourself, feel free to do it and send through your explanations of those questions. I'll, I'll truncate it and make them a lot more kind of matter of fact. There was actually a one question that I forgot to ask as well. Maybe I'll throw that in there and it's the classic to flat earthers. How do the uh, clouds get lit from underneath the sun? Because obviously if the sun and the moon are above the clouds, then however do you get the underside of the clouds being lit up? Anyway, we uh, probably were another five questions I could have got to, but I didn't have another hour. <laughs> but thank you, Mark. I did really enjoy uh, that conversation. Coming up on Friday, Martin uh, Davidson. Coming up tomorrow, we have American political commentator and author Dave Rubin. Uh, he's put out a book called Don't Burn This Book. Uh, apparently, there is a feeling among some uh, in America that those naughty old left wingers are trying to stifle free speech and the right wing is the new home of free speech and the message is to the left wing, don't burn this book because apparently the left wingers are the guys who are always burning all these books out there. So Dave Rubin is going to be next. If you want to watch the live stream, it's going to be 12.30 on Thursday afternoon, depending on when you are here and get this or else, obviously, doc.nz. Uh, you can go to facebook.com docnz as well. It's a good way to find our videos. We're also on YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash docnz studios. And gosh, you know, send us a, Courier pigeon. Is that what they're called? Carrier pigeon would probably be better. 
This is the Department of Conversation brought to you by Stratus, the most affordable alternative to smoking. The Stratus Pod Kit is one of the most user-friendly, easy-to-use pods on the market. You can find more about them at vaporium.nz. All right, lovely team. Uh, until we see you next time, thank you for spending some time with us. Hey, Root. <laughs>